How do you think uh, episode 52P went? Your interviewing skills. You got a great compliment from somebody. Tell everybody. I did. Didn't you get a good compliment from some somebody in the business? Yeah, like a that you're a great interviewer. Well, I don't know about great. Come on, no. You got you said a hard ass friend. Yeah, yeah. He's who he, typically just bashes you. <laughs> I've been writing jokes for him for years to try to get him into Bill Maher's monologue. He, really? He never takes any of them. Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> They're probably not funny. He'll say, like, that's great. Send it to Leno. <laughs> you know, like, that's hilarious. The best he's ever given me is not bad. So he works for Bill Maher. Yes. And he listens to the podcast. He's a new listener. He's also a patron, by the way. Oh. We hooked him. Well, he's a new patron. Yes. New Why patron. did he join as a patron? Uh, I think he wanted to hear the rest of the, uh, the interview the, the, with the you. The famous inter- interview. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he actually paid you a compliment. He did, yeah. It was very nice. As he rejected some... Why are you trying to write jokes for Bill Moore? Explain I, that to me. I just would think it would be fun to get a joke in on Bill... It'd be awesome to get one of my jokes on the monologue. All these other things that you do. Don't you understand that you are a Forza guy? <laughs> Can't you concentrate on on Microsoft... Is it called Microsoft Forza? No, but... What's it, it called? It's just called Forza. Forza. Yeah. Uh, everything... You're, you're supposed to be... Con- that is your gig. Why are you so concentrating on getting jokes to Bill Maher yeah. and doing interviews with me and right. being on the podcast. You're doing everything but perfecting. For- Forza needs your attention. It's very true, yes. <laughs> I did my. By the way, I did my best joke writing when I was unemployed. I oh. sent him a lot of jokes. <laughs> it's been a while since I've said... I got better at guitar, too, when I was unemployed. And he's never used any <laughs> no, one of your jokes. Because I used to write jokes, you know, on the T-Man show. I, I think it's fun to try to write, you know, yeah. just look at the headlines and try to write stuff. So. Yeah. So yeah, we have a, a new patron down in LA. He's and a he Seattle liked guy. your interview. Yeah, he, he did. He enjoyed it. It seemed like everybody liked your interview. It's nice. I'm, I'm a little sensitive about this. Oh, is that right? Oh, I forgot. You're the greatest interviewer who ever lived. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't like somebody. I I intentionally have people. I surround my myself with people who can't do an interview. Gotcha. Makes sense. To make me my interviews look good, and now yeah. you step in. I know it's embarrassing. People really liked 52. People really liked the four part series of the interviews. I'm excited for part eight tonight. Are we doing? Is no, that, is that going over. down? It's over. <laughs> I don't think it's me interviewing you. I think they like your stories. They like to hear about you and peek behind the curtain a little and, but, bit. But they liked the whole dynamic. Yeah. We did four parts. We did two on regular Monday shows, mm-hmm. and then we did two on P shows, patron shows. Yeah. Um, the last one, though, people are a little annoyed that aren't patrons because it was like an hour and 45 minutes of nothing but you interviewing me and finishing this thing yeah. off once and for all. And the no- how do you feel about that? The non-patrons are like, come on, man. You don't put all the good stuff on the patron shows. I feel like we do good stuff on these shows, on these on these Monday shows. But there yeah, are people like was- that are bitter mm. about the fact that we put an hour and 45-minute part four extravaganza <laughs> And I told yeah. my best story. I don't even know that I told many stories on part four. Yeah, I feel like it was half and half, right? We did two regular ones and two P ones. Right. So I don't know why. Except there's that any the hour advantage. and 45 well, yeah. minute one was a P one. Well, we'll give, them, P. we'll give them four hours today. They're going to love it. And then the, the other part of me is like, it's five bucks right. a month. Yeah. How yeah. much do you spend when you go to Starbucks? I don't drink uh, coffee. One of when my you drinks. Go, when you go to Starbucks, what do you order and how much do you spend? I order a venti quadruple... Breve latte, and it's like six eighty four. Can you tell me what that means? Sure, I'm happy to tell you. So it's espresso. It's four shots of espresso. Inside, typically a latte is steamed milk, but I try to stay away from milk because of the sugar. So I do steamed half and half instead. So it's just espresso, hot half and half. That's it. 
in a 20 ounce cup. Okay. And if your wife comes with you, yes. she gets what? Same. She's she's moved on to the brevet lattes too. Okay. Brevet means half and half. And the bill and is what? For one visit to Starbucks. I think it's this number is in my head 684. I think it's $6.84 for every time every cup of coffee I get. So it's 12 it's 1360 for two of you. Yeah. Two of you go to Starbucks yeah. and it's thirteen dollars and sixty cents, and the and it takes you how long to drink that that coffee? Uh, Ten minutes. Ten minutes. minutes. Okay. I remember. By, by I'm the way, charging five <laughs> freaking bucks for a month's worth of extra. Now I know people are going to say, but podcasts are meant to be free. I understand. We're trying to figure it out. We first started with with two freebies each week, Mondays and Thursdays. And just because of a lot of different reasons, including sponsorship dollars and so forth, it just made more sense to do the one a week and then do the other a week that's on patrons. And it's five. I don't feel like it's that much money, $5 yeah. a month. And you get, so I, I, I'll give you, I'll give you this starting next week. Well, I guess it'd be this week because people are listening to this on a Monday. So starting this Wednesday, I've got a three-part fantasy football league series, preview shows. Oh, great. I got three. Actually, Steve Dion did all the the hard work. (laughs) He got three national fantasy football league, and I put my fingers up, experts, if there's such a thing. These guys, it's amazing what kind of business fantasy football. There are so many people that do nothing but cover fantasy football leagues. It's crazy. I mean, this guy, Matthew Berry, now he's not going to be on because he wouldn't be on, but he's like the king. He's made. A, he's making a fortune doing nothing but fantasy football. It's amazing. Imagine telling like fourteen year old you <laughs> that that's like a viable way to make a living. I thought telling a fourteen year old me that doing sports radio <laughs> right. was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Now people. So these three guys. I got one guy from Yahoo, one guy from the Athletic, and one guy from CBS Sports. These are three guys that do nothing but cover yeah. fantasy football. It's crazy. They preview drafts. They tell you who to start during the season the whole year. They get paid salaries yeah. to just write and talk about fantasy football. It's a good gig if you can find it. It's a fun gig. So we got three of these guys and me because you know I'm the best. That's right. No, nobody wins more than I do. That's what I've heard. Four of us, four of us, the three guys and me, we did a three-part series. So on Wednesday of this week, this will all be on the page. So what I'm trying to say is – Okay, I'm trying to add material to make the $5 even less painful. Okay. Even though I guess a number of people are going to say, "Now why don't you put those on the Monday show?" <laughs> right. But I got 3 I got 3 installments this Wednesday quarterbacks and kickers. Sunday this Sunday installment number 2 will be running backs and defenses. And then Wednesday of next week will be what's left? Wide receivers and tight ends. Three installments previewing everything that you want to know about fantasy football, and it'll all be on the patron shows. I'm adding patron content. You see what I'm yeah, trying to I do? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And, and just to give you a sense, Movie Mogul Max, my son, 17 years old, who's going to be on this episode, Freebie, Freebie, Movie Mogul Max, yeah. to uh, tell us all about all the summer movies that now are out of the theaters that we should have reviewed six weeks ago eight weeks ago 12 weeks ago go see oh you can't he won't listen to mitch unfiltered he's got no attention span he's got no ability to sit down and he's got no interest in hearing his father talk on mitch unfiltered especially you even though he took a shot at you in his segment today oh is that right oh yeah where you park 
Oh, he had plenty yeah. to say about where you park. I'm glad he writes notes for me. Like I'm five years old. <laughs> Apparently they don't work. <laughs> yeah, they don't. according to the segment. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> you still park there. I don't believe everything I read. He won't listen to Mitch Unfiltered, and yet when I was recording this three-part series with these three guys on fantasy football, yeah. he's in that seat with. The, he can't even wait for it to come out. We he can't even wait for us to release it. He had to hear he it live. He is a patron. I'm sure I made him a patron. <laughs> yeah. He had to sit here and li- he's writing notes. Nice. He's he's mouthing things ask about so and so. Ask about Austin Eckler. Ask about Eck- I love Austin Eckler and for the Chargers. He's sitting there like on edge over every word of these fantasy football league installments. I think I may have found a little fantasy football sleeper in the Seahawks game today. We, we can discuss later. He looked pretty good Do to I, me. No, tell me. What do you think about Irv Smith Jr. for the Vikings? He looked pretty good. Is he going to play? He was in the first half. You know, he looked good. He's an Alabama guy. Making decisions on fantasy football <laughs> in the league players in weeks preseason week two in yeah. the third quarters. Paxton Lynch would have been my starter oh last my week. Uh, I think uh, is is uh, no, he did look pretty is good. Is a great though. recipe for a first round for a first overall pick the following year. Okay. If you get my drift. Yeah, I got you. Okay. So this is episode number 53. We've got lots to do. First of all, I'm supposed to tell you to subscribe and listen and give us a rating via Apple or Spotify. It's available wherever podcasts are found. And we do them every Monday, just about every Monday, unless Monday is a holiday. We've got to figure out Labor Day uh, once a week. And then there's patron shows, which you can become a patron for as low as $5 a month. All you got to do is go to MitchUnfiltered.com and click on the link that says become a patron. And while we're discussing real quickly the Fantasy Football League and the three installments, the dinner on September the 3rd, I had a guy ask me to hold a table for 10, I think it was. Okay. And then he wrote me, he said, okay, none of us are coming. Oh, okay. So uh, we have some cancel. We have a couple of cancellations. We have some extra seats now available for September the 3rd, and it's going to be a fun night. It's our first ever Mitch Unfiltered Fantasy Football League. I am so excited. I know I'm going to win it. I know my ta- if you want to be at my table, you can be at my table, but my table is going to win it. Um, it's September the 3rd. It's $125 a seat, but that includes everything. That yeah. includes the Fantasy Football League and prizes. It includes the appetizers, the steaks, the salmon, the drinks, the wine, the beer, the desserts. The par- You're going to get an unbelievable meal. We're all going to be there drafting. I'm going to do some Q&A. If you'd like to be uh, a part of the first ever Mitch Unfiltered Fantasy Football League, we do have seats. You go to Mitch Unfiltered and click the top banner, which is which will take you to the reservation sheet. All right, you're gonna be there, I think. Yep. Right? Are you gonna eat? Do you eat? Do, I, I do. I eat. don't know about you anymore. You got this diet going on, and I don't know. Well, last night I went to dinner with my wife, and it was a hundred and forty-six dollars for the two of us. So this one twenty-five is a steal with all the <laughs> <laughs> a fantasy football league steaks, dessert, oh, and we're gonna do Survivor, and we're gonna do a an NFL Survivor pool for anybody who wants to be in it that comes on September the third. We're also gonna do a Survivor deal. I want to get in do on a that. separate. It's been a while since I've done one, but I want to get in on it. It seems easy. You should be able to win it. I'm in. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Episode 53. What's coming up on episode 53? Brady Henderson of ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. Mike Lombardi, you might not know the name. He spent 35 years working in different NFL front offices. From Bill Belichick in Cleveland to Bill Belichick in New England to Bill Walsh in San Francisco. He's been everywhere. He's going to give us his kind of 
thoughts, preseason thoughts on the National Football League. The return of movie mogul Max, who has something to say to you. Can't wait. In his, uh, in his segment, and Yogi Roth, who's a Pac-12 commentator Familiar. on the Pac-12 network, who spent one day at Washington State's practice, one day at the University of Washington's practice. I'm going to try to get out of him who he thinks is going to be the starting quarterback at Washington. He's going to make his picks. We're going to do a kind of a preseason preview of the Pac-12 because that time. in the next couple of weeks, yeah. they'll all be playing. I know. It's wild. Summer's over, isn't it? Yeah, but the only the good part about summer being over, it means it's football season. That's the only thing that's helped me as a kid, right? Yeah. Back to school. Oh, but hey, it's football season. I can't wait. So, oh. yeah, I'm excited. All right. If you've been enjoying a lot of these episodes of Mitch Unfiltered, then we owe a big thanks to our presenting partners and sponsors, Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Check out the new Evergreen Exchange podcast. I interviewed Tyler on their podcast for an upcoming episode. See what Tyler and his crew do at Evergreen Golf Call, G-A-V-E-K-A-L dot com. Zeke's Pizza, 17 locations, Bothell to Tacoma, homegrown in the Northwest, offering the perfect spot to either watch a game or enjoy pizza or bring your youth sports teams or all the above. Also, a fabulous delivery service through Zeke'sPizza.com. When my family has its March Madness pool, we actually do it at Zeke's Pizza. Daniel's Broiler, four all-time locations, providing subtly different ambiances, but the same world-class service and the best steaks anywhere. You've got Leshy Marina, South Lake Union, or atop Bellevue Place, which is where our September the 3rd Fantasy Football League draft will be taking place. Hope you'll come and join us. And the newest jewel, downtown at the brand-new Hyatt Regency, there's no place like Daniel's for special occasions. And the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage, more and more families are taking this opportunity to save money on a refinance of their home. Jordan Flowers Guild Mortgage Group waiting to save you money every month with three top 1% brokers in the Kirkland office alone. Just call them at 425-250-3150. All right, Hotshot Scott, here we go. Episode 53 starts now. Unfiltered. You want to compare Marquise Blair to somebody, don't compare him to Cam Chancellor. Compare him to Kenny the Hammer Hamlin before Hamlin got in the fight with the stop sign in downtown Seattle after the game, which, by the way, that was the end of, essentially the end of his career. I would love to see that continue. I'd love to see an enforcer back there with Bradley McDougald. I'm hoping Marquise Blair wins the safety job. He's the rookie out of Utah. Big hit. Got penalized 15 yards. I don't care. Probably shouldn't have. Maybe should have. Marquise Blair is on my list. Unfiltered. No team had late round draft choices and undrafted free agents join the team, make the team, and be contributors to the team for about a five or seven year stretch like the Seattle Seahawks. So you give Schneider and Carroll all the credit and what that did which is kind of interesting i don't know if you know how it works after the draft all these guys that don't get drafted they can choose anywhere they want to go to sign so there's there's inevitably there's 10 guys after jazz ferguson but because john schneider can say to jazz ferguson's agent look look at my track record you come here i, I know we're good but you look we keep under he's got a great chance like others uh, uh, and then if let's say they're going up against the Steelers and I don't know I'm just using Steelers he might say the Steelers never keep undrafted free agents Mitch is unfiltered episode 53 and I'm very disappointed in our listeners 
Okay. Yeah. Not sharp. Sharp as a bowling ball, as we used to say back <laughs> yeah. in the business. Sharp. Do you realize that when we said episode 52 last week at this time, I proceeded to run off a bunch of Mariners who were 53s, and not one person sent you me did? a tweet. Not one person sent me a Facebook. <laughs> not one person sent me anything. Even the guy sitting across from you, no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Too. I just, I, 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 did I not mention Arthur Rhodes and David Ardsma because AA. And no, but wait, are those guys 52 or 53? Those are 53s. Okay, I yeah, did 53s under them. the 52s. And no, people who criticize me for the, the, the littlest things. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, here I was I was out there to be just just taken by the woodshed. <laughs> yeah. And nobody mentions <laughs> that I uh, I mistakenly did the Mariners 53s and 52s. Unfortunately, I think when you say the word Mariners, people hit fast forward for 10 uh, seconds. See, I, I think, not. unfortunately. No. Episode Malcolm Smith. I feel like we can do better. I haven't looked, but I feel like we can do better. Episode Keith Butler. Oh, linebacker, Seahawks. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Oh, so was Malcolm Smith. With, you didn't, I didn't get that reaction. Oh, Wasn't he a Super Bowl hero, Ma- Malcolm Smith? Super Bowl MVP. He, he might be the last guy in the history of the NFL to dunk on the goalpost, if you want to call what he did a dunk. Remember because they outlawed it after that? Did they outlaw it before or after Doug Baldwin took a poop in the end zone? <laughs> that was with so great. God, that Terrible. Was great. Oh, I loved it. See, that's totally the difference between you and me. You don't think that's kind of funny? No. It really? Fun. No, it was terrible. What about when Randy Moss did the pants pulling down routine? No. You're not into that? No. It's fun. It's a no. touchdown. Let him celebrate. I-, I thought I thought Terrell Owens taking the Sharpie out of his sock on, on your awesome. boy Sean Springs. My boy. He was a, he was a big fan. He, he was a big guy on the T-Man show. Yeah, right? yeah, sure. He beat Sean Springs and then took his – what I hated about that was Sean Springs like laughed it off. Right. And that bothered me. Yeah. I would have liked Sean Springs to hate that. That might be the greatest celebration ever, considering he had the Sharpie in He's his sock. He's running routes with right. Sharpies in his right. sock. That's right? how confidence he is. Confident he is. He's going to put a Sharpie in his sock so when he scores, he can sign the ball. And then he threw it, I think, into Sean's suite. Oh. Yeah, to top it off. Episode Arthur Rhodes, episode David Ardsma. <laughs> episode this again. again. <laughs> okay. God. This is like uh, Bill Murray. Ned? Yeah. <laughs> or Phil, Phil Connor. Um, and uh, episode Alton Lister. Does oh, that name sure. mean anything to you? The, Kemp, Sonic. Kemp got that dunk on One of the greatest dunks of all time. But Alton Lister played for, for the, the Sonics, Sonics. Yeah, and yeah. wore number 53. But it's going to be none of those. Yeah. It's going to be one of the national guys. And I think you you believe, and I think most of our listeners that are old enough would think that this is a no-brainer. Okay. But And I thought it was a no-brainer at first, so we'll come back to this at the top at the at the back end of the show. Okay. But here are your 53 nationals. I'm just going to throw them at okay. you. Don Drysdale, who uh, partnered up with Sandy Koufax facts to make a kind of pretty good one-two punch yep. for the Brooklyn and then Los Angeles Dodgers. He had Harry Carson in the NFL Giants. He wore 53. Randy Gratishar wore 53 with the Broncos. You had Artis Gilmore in the NBA. Seven-foot-two Artis Gilmore, who also wore 53. Okay. And I'm going to stop there. And tell you that most people would think that that's a no-brainer when I list those guys off, but I'm gonna I'm gonna contend late in the show, late in the show, okay, that it's closer than you think. Yeah, it's I don't close, even closer than you I think. don't even know who the the no-brainer is. I, I think I know who the no-brainer is, but those guys are a little before my time. 
but I, I think they're I know. before my time. Yeah, I don't remember Don Drysdale pitching. Yeah, okay, but he was he was tremendous. Died okay. young and was tremendous. Great, great, tall. Can you picture him at all? No. Big right hander, like overpowering right hander. And Sandy Koufax was the smallish left hander of that Dodger rotation. Anyway, Seahawks lost. It's over. They're it one over. and one, and I don't know that they're going to win a, another game the rest of the year. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Do you have anything to say before we get to Brady Henderson, EVSPN, ESPN.com, who covers the Seahawks better than anybody? Uh, do you have any any thoughts? Did you watch the game uh, between the Minnesota Vikings and Seattle? Certainly you saw Russell Wilson come out and play for the first time. I did, yes. He looked a little rusty to me, but he also he looked like Ru- Russell at times. There were three plays that I wrote down where he missed Lockett in the end zone. Lockett's jumping up and down like I'm wide open. He underthrew Carson on a third down. I don't know if you remember that or not. I remember all three you're yeah. going to mention. And, and then and, he floated and, that one to Lockett and didn't see the safety coming, and the safety just crushed him. Oh, okay. It was a good – I mean, it was – You didn't even mention the, the first one, the, the the real bad one, which was – and by the way, I'm going to take exception to one of them that you, did, that you didn't mention. Okay. Maybe. I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm going to ask you to consider one thing on one of the things. I thought Russell Wilson looked good. I thought he missed. I know the one that he floated. Let's put the floater to, yeah, he floated the one to lock it. He got crushed by the safety coming yeah. over the top. I put that aside. There were two plays that were were just poorly thrown balls that were third down plays that led to the drives ending. Mm-hmm. The first one was on the first series, which you didn't you didn't talk about, okay. where he had Brown on third down, and he just threw it too high oh, for over Brown his head. to come. Right. Yeah. And he was wide open. It was a yeah. first down. It would have led to points. And at the at the end of the day, they get no points on that drive. So that was a bad throw. And then the one to Carson yeah. was another bad throw. Now, you're talking about the one to lock it, <laughs> and I would just say to you, you're, you're making your determination. You might be right. Yeah. Everybody is up in arms about that one because you're judging. Remember, you're judging from a replay where they show lock it only Lockett throwing his arms. And and on that play, Russell Wilson rolled to his left and then decided to run. Yeah. Okay? So he could be jumping up and down while he's running. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And if you watch real closely that replay, which I did, you watch real closely, the intermediate defenders dart away from Lockett yeah. as if to say, okay, he's, he's running. running. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Okay. The, I, I, I need to see the – I don't want to be geeky on you, but I need to see the all-22s on that before yeah. I can determine whether he just flat-out missed Lockett or did Lockett get open, wide open, as a result of Wilson run, deciding to run. There's typically a reason somebody's that r- wide open, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. typically there's a reason. So There's always all, a reason. There was the Viking guy. Your guy got wide open in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, Nobody decided to cover him. <laughs> that's true. He's only like 6'4", 250 pounds. Uh, like, who's going to cover? Who's going to notice him? So I thought – so you thought he was rusty. He looked rusty. Oh, he had those three or four plays. Yeah, he looked a little rusty to me. <sighs> Boy, but he looked good on some other plays. He looked like Russell Wilson on a few other plays. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not – I think he'll be just fine this season. <laughs> Did you notice a little pass protection from time to time? Yes, I thought the offensive line – that's one of the things on my notes. I thought the offensive line played well. Yeah. I think they played well in the in the in the run game. They opened up some holes. I think uh, they protected him beautifully. I don't think he took a hit all you know the quarter quarter and a third or whatever it was quarter plus that he played. Yeah. But you know what? What I was reminded of during that that second preseason game against the Vikings <laughs> is something that we all know is. As a play action, Pat, the Seahawks in play action, when he fakes that ball, when he puts that ball up like he's going to run it, and then he holds it and he, and, he, and, he, and he rolls out, they are the best play. And it's statistically speaking, last year, he was the number one quarterback mm. rated in play action passes. They are so 
good in play-action passes. And by the way, what makes them great, one of the things that makes them great in play-action passes is the competence of Chris Carson. Right. How'd he look to you yeah, in his looked, first preseason action? Looked good to me. Looks like the starter. Ask me how he looked. Okay. I saw way too much of Chris Carson. Oh, gotcha. Nothing left to way, prove to you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we don't, <laughs> okay. Look at my look, look at my face right, right. Now. I need to see no more of Chris Carson. The, the guy runs in the most punishing way imaginable. Yeah. He takes more hits per carry. Than just about he runs like Marshawn Lynch. I think he was for lack inspired better, by him. Yeah. Whatever. We don't need him taking hits in the preseason. Yeah. I, I'm not talking about the the jeopardy of him getting hurt. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I guess he could get hurt. That's not what I'm talking about. A man's body is going to wear down eventually. Just miles. He's. Yeah. Let, can we can we put him in <laughs> bubble wrap and put him on the the fact that he got I don't even know the numbers because I don't have the stats in front of me. He had to have five or six or seven carries. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. I was going to say seven. Five or six. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want him – if you said to me at the beginning of preseason, Mitch, how about five or six carries the whole preseason, I would have said that's too much. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't – a guy like that, to me, does not need to be out on the playing field during the preseason. Yeah, but you have to go up against that first-team speed. You you need the reps. Okay, they gave him a couple carries in the first pos- – they didn't have to put him in there for four possessions. Yeah. He was in there for four or yeah. five possessions and still carrying the ball. We don't need mileage on that body. Yeah, let's, fair enough. I don't. I don't need to. Let's give the Penny and Homer and all these other guys some uh, some carries. Well, that's the other thing I was going to say is that does it feel like every time Penny gets the ball, he just gets swarmed? There's never any blocking. So I'd like to see him with the first team offensive line. So that's another reason yeah. to sit Chris Carson. I, I'm going. I'm going over there. I'm taking his helmet away. <laughs> I'm taking his uh, his chin strap away. I'm taking his pads away. He doesn't need to show anything more during the preseason. I don't need to see him out there. Poor Rashad, Rashad Penny. Every time he gets it, he's making a move in the backfield and just getting swarmed. He gets no blocking, that poor guy. Uh, Brady Anderson will be with us as the uh, as the next segment here on episode 53. Anything else? You want to play a little uh, seesaw? You have any Let's observations? Oh, Let yeah. me, can I start? Go ahead. Because you got to tell me about this. Mike Zimmer gets <laughs> caught with the chew. Does everybody know what I'm talking? No one knows what I'm talking. I think a lot. Of, it was trending on Twitter for a while. Was it really? Well, whenever Mike Zimmer's tr- trending on Twitter, you got to see why, right? It's not for his Somebody game plan. Somebody sent me a picture of Mike Zimmer, the coach of the Vikings, pulling chew out of a sunflower David I, and I know David sunflower seeds. Oh, do you? Yeah, because we the the family we we support David. Oh, good. Yeah, we we eat David sunflower seeds. He had us David sunflower seeds, and yet he's pulling a big wad of tobacco out of there and throwing it. In. He needs these. I told you the lozenges. We got to send him some. He's got to get off that. What stuff. do you think that's all about? Is he just trying to be sneaky, or is he not allowed? Is he not allowed to have like I don't know? Skull? Is it? Sc- I don't no, know. I, I, I don't know. Red? What is it? Red? It's like either red man or beach. Red nut. man. Yeah, okay. it's one. It's one of those. It was yeah. kind of the leafy look kind. At, look at you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm an expert. It's too bad I'm an expert on only that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think there's probably an NFL rule that you can't have tobacco. It's probably just a tobacco-free area. Remember in baseball, guys. I mean, they no, still none in right? dugouts. Not not, not allowed dug- to have it in dugouts anymore. So I think NFL probably just followed suit. So yeah, he's probably not allowed to have it down there. So he found out a tricky. Classic Coug, by the way, right? You forget he was at Wazoo for four years. No, I didn't even know. I don't remember that. Classic. Yeah, he was like a defensive coordinator or something, like 89 to 93. <laughs> I probably picked it up and, you know, watching those guys. But, yeah, that's the first thing I thought was there's a Coug for you right Can there. you not get away with anything these <laughs> no. days with social media? You can't. 
It's impossible. Cameras everywhere, social media, people pausing their TVs, taking a picture and sending it out. <laughs> they did. That's the way I found out. Uh, yep, yep. All right, you go. You go. What do you got? Uh, let's see. Puna Ford. I thought Puna Ford looked pretty oh, good. Oh, he's very important. By the way. And very good. Undrafted. Texas. Very good. He's 5'11". Very, yeah. Is he? 5'11". He's 5'11". Wide. Yeah, I know. I, know that. That. I would have said he's 6'3", because he is so wide. Man. You, you realize you've touched on a very important i mean come week one i'm gonna say this come week one depending upon puna ford i don't know whether ziggy will be playing or if he's playing will he be playing well the seahawks probably will have one of the worst defensive lines in all the national football league when they suit up week one on paper on is paper. that what you mean yeah just name name wise and a- i think more than just on paper okay especially if ziggy's not ready the first the first game yeah the four guys that they're going to have out there without Jaron Reed. Now, remember, without Jaron Reed. Now, if Ziggy then comes back and plays well from and has, you know, can get after the quarterback and plays well from that defensive end, and I don't know what he's, I, I heard he's got a, another injury as of last week oh, as he was recovering. If he comes back and plays well, Puna Ford plays well, and Jaron Reed starting, and I guess it will be week seven after the suspension plays well, okay, they could have a very competent or they could have a competent defensive line. But until they get to that point in week one, starting in week one, it figures to be – I'm really worried about that defense. And I got to tell you, I know their linebackers are good, and this is one of my things from uh, from the, uh, the, the second preseason game against the Vikings. The linebackers look – those two linebackers, Barton and Calitro, yeah. still look very good. They look high, very high good. High motor. Yeah. yeah, very good. They're not going to play yeah. because once K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner come back to join Hendricks, they're not going to play. They'll be on special teams. But they look good. I don't worry about the linebackers. And I really don't think that I worry. I'm not sure about the safeties. McDougal's good. I know, I know Blair got hurt. I don't know who's going to be that opposite safety to McDougal. But I, I worry big time about the defensive line at least for the first six weeks until Jaron Reed comes back. And I think you saw when they went to that second team, the depth guys along the defensive line, they got run all over the yeah, place. Yeah, they sure did. The Vikings pushed them around all over the place. And by the way, Vikings not really known for their running game, right? They don't have a big star running back, and they were still running through they were run, in the second, Especially in the yeah. second group. And then the other thing that I know that a lot of people disagree with me on, but I'll just say it, I'm still not convinced – about the two corners. Flowers, yeah. Griffin. Back-to-back plays in that game. Back-to-back plays against Adam Thielen. One guy gets beat, gets called for the interference. The second guy gets called for the interference. The first guy, he beat both of those guys on deep balls in back-to-back plays. I'm not saying they're awful, but I, I, I don't see a stud there. I don't mm. see any. I don't see somebody that you can really hang your hat on. I'm worried about the corners and the defensive line of that football team. That ball that he threw though to Thielen was great. I mean, Trey Flowers was beat, but not by much. That was a great on the ball. pass interference call. Yeah, the one on the sideline. Right, yeah, right. yeah, that was a great ball and a great catch. How about the and, play right before though? Yeah. The play right before Griffin got beat on the yeah. on a similar ball and he caught the ball and they yeah. so I don't I don't know that, that that's 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 mine. What do you what do you got over there? What do you think about Deshaun Shed? Is he going to fit in? I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one, huh? I don't know. They He's, threw the ball right to him and he ran 90, 90 yards or whatever it was, eighty five yards. The whole time I was waiting for Chad Beebe 
son of Don Beebe, <laughs> to chase him down and make a heroic. Is Chad Beebe on the team. Yeah, he, that's who he threw it to. Oh, really? Don Beebe's kid. <laughs> and I'm waiting for him to do something heroic. Catch Deshaun Shed. Remember, who was the big lineman? Uh, Leon Lett. Leon was, Lett. Was Leon yeah. Lett. I don't know. I may be wrong. I may be making that up. No, it is Leon Lett. I think it, it, it might have been Leon Lett. Yeah, so I, yeah, just, I was waiting for some heroics from another Beebe. All on. right, how about Tyler Lockett? I thought he looked good. Yes, he Tyler did Lockett, good. number one receiver. I'm a little worried about that. I don't know that he's the number one receiver, but I thought he looked good. No DK Metcalf. Does that worry you? Already hurt. Already leg problems. Yeah. They need to get him checked out. Did not play play in a preseason game where he could hook up with Russell Wilson and get that chemistry going in the passing. He was padded up. So do do we know, did it happen in warmups? He had pads on. No, I think he was scratched before warmups. And I think that the GM on the radio, on their radio network, uh, John Schneider said that we have to get, I think it's a leg. And I think he said, we have to get the leg checked out. It's bothering. We have to get it, get it checked out. He's too big to be this fragile. It's annoying me. By the way, Jaron Reed, what a huge tease tonight, right? You saw him on a couple yeah. plays. I, I thought Reed oh, played well. Such I a thought tease. Ford played well. Yeah, right. But Jared, we're not going to have Jaron Reed. It was such a tease watching him. I got a, I got, oh, that was not good. I got a question. Okay. I, and I even, I even emailed or texted Dean Blandino. Let's see if I've heard back from him. Okay. Real quickly. This is great. Nope, I've not heard back from him. I got a question on the PI, on the pass interference challenge rule. As everybody knows by now. And if you don't know, they just they shove it down your throat during these broadcasts. <laughs> yeah. That coaches can now not only challenge pass interferences that are called that they don't agree with, but they can challenge plays where no pass interference is called to try to get pass interference called. Yeah. So here's my question. Okay. And this is hard to articulate. I know I, I, it's 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 not a complicated situation, but it's hard to articulate. <laughs> okay. Let's assume I'm Pete Carroll. And Trey Flowers gets called for pass interference. Gotcha. And I look at the video, or my guys in the wherever they are, I look at the video, say, I look up to the big screen. I go, oh, no, that was not pass interference on my guy. I'm throwing the challenge flag. Now, they go back, and they get under the hood, and they talk to New York, and they look or whatever they do to, to look at the replay. And they notice not only is it not pass interference on Trey Flowers, but in the review process, they notice the offensive receiver push off while the ball, and it's really P.I. on the offense. My question is, do the officials then have the right to not only make Pete Carroll on Pete Carroll a winner? Okay, your, your challenge is being upheld. But can we now throw another flag and say— <laughs> I see what you're saying, and, yeah. And now call it on the offense. Are we allowed to do? Are the officials allowed to say it's not only not pass interference on the defense, but it's on the offense? So we're now going to we're now going to you know penalize them fifteen yards. My guess, I don't know the answer. I'm curious to find out. My guess is they absolutely cannot do that. They have to focus on what they're supposed to focus on. Because if not, why? Well, don't that's that's what they're focusing on. The PI who no, they're, who, they're focusing on defensive pass interference. <laughs> why not just go back to the last thirty minutes of the game and just check the whole game? Then I mean, where where would it end, right? If you can check, but it's it's the same play. It's right there in front of yeah. you. Yeah, I know. But what if you see a guy chewing so you tobacco on the sidelines <laughs> on that, and then you, you're gonna throw a flag on that too? <laughs> Is he gonna get fined? By the way, I don't. Maybe if they have a policy. All right, all right. Let me. I'll go one step further. What if? No call is made. Okay. I'm Pete Carroll. I got DK Metcalf out there. 
he doesn't make the play, but I look at it and I go, that's defensive pass interference. There's pass interference on that call. No call was played, maybe. Yeah. And I throw my my challenge flag. And he comes over, what are you challenging, coach? And Coach Mitch says, I think DK Metcalf was interfered with on that play. All right, we'll go check it for you. And then they see DK Metcalf push off. They can't call it. I'm guessing they can't call it. They can't come back to me and say, Coach Mitch, <laughs> not only are you wrong, but we're going to throw the flag right. 15 yards on, on DK Metcalf. That would be crazy if they could. I mean, in a way, maybe it would be good. It would keep people from just frivolously trying to get pass interference calls. I don't know. It's, it's like getting pulled over. You know, it's like you're, you have a flat tire on the side of the road. The cop comes over to help you, and then he sees a bag of heroin in your back seat, right? I mean, it's like, wait, I thought you were – not only am I not getting help, I'm going to jail, right? I mean, it's kind of like that. Like, not only are – But they can do that. The cops can do that. Yeah, they so, can. So why can't the, uh, the cops of the NFL do that? Maybe they can. We'll see. All right. I don't know. I got three interviews, and I've got a ton of other little stuff that I got some views on that you've got some views on that we haven't discussed that are way outside the Seahawks. So if you want to hear the typical first segment banter, come back for our last segment. But we got actually four – I think we have four interviews. We've got Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN Mm ESPN.com, kind of wrapping up the Seahawks – Second preseason game. I got Mike Lombardi, 35 years in player personnel departments around the NFL to talk the NFL. I got movie mogul Max, and I've got Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Networks, previewing Washington, Washington State, the rest of the Pac-12. He's going to make a pick. He's been, I think, to every, to every school and to every set of practices that there is, and he has now derived an opinion Great. on Excited who's going to win the Pac-12. Yeah. I think you're going to like who he thinks is going to be in the Pac-12 <laughs> championship game. Maybe not for the reasons that he that he spouts. But anyway, and then I got all this stuff that I got for you in our final segment. All Alrighty, right. One more quick Seahawk thing for you. Yeah. You, you said oh, something oh, oh, after. I'm sorry. Did I? Do you no, have more? It's just funny. You said something last week or a week before that the strength of this team might be the kicker and the punter. God, I think you're right. Oh, <laughs> I think that might be the strength of this dynamite. team. They're dynamite. They are great. They are dynamite. You said that a week ago. And and I, you're right. And I blew it because. <laughs> I've been watching. I think Jason Myers is a hell of a, a hell of a field goal kicker. He's going to make them all. Yeah, he just looks like he's going to make them all. I blew it because I have noticed that he's been kicking off kind of short. He's not booting them through the end mm. zone like we'd like him to. Yeah. So I pointed that out on Twitter, and I was just I was just just re- I just was rejected by about five thousand Twitter followers. <laughs> really? <laughs> because. Uh, I didn't know that they've told him to kick it short. Oh. <laughs> They're kicking it short on purpose. Uh, I, I didn't know. Poor Coach Mitch didn't know. Apparently, <laughs> the special teams coach told everybody but me. Yeah, right. In in Seattle and in the Northwest, <laughs> right. all Seahawks fans, hey, I'm telling Jason Myers to kick off short so that we can work on our coverage teams. It doesn't do us any good if he just boots them through the end zone oh. in preseason. All right, fair enough, I guess. So, we'll see when the regular season starts. Yeah, if he, uh, oh, yeah. I'm coming back strong. <laughs> should. I'm coming back strong if he's short on kicking. That's right. The First one, like he could, he could kick like forty in a row out of the end zone, and then on the forty-first, if it's if it's in play, I'm like, see, I told you. <laughs> all right, I got a lot of stuff, including me eating mushrooms. Oh yeah, in our, in our final segment. Let's all do right? it. Hot shot on episode fifty-two. I spoke a little bit about Evervestment, which is powered by Evergreen Golf Call, a digital investing platform that combines the ease of a robo-advisor with decades of proven investment experience. For months, I've been talking about a favorite sponsor of mine, Evergreen Golf Call, a Northwest investment advisor offering premier wealth management services. Today, we're excited to announce the launch of Evergreen's new digital investment platform, 
Evervestment. Historically, Evergreen Golf Call has catered its investment expertise solely to high net worth individuals. But now, using this online solution, you don't need to be a millionaire to get access to some of the same strategies that they use for clients, all at a discounted fee. The same investment guidance as Evergreen's high net worth clients at a lower fee. Evervestment combines the ease of a digital account onboarding with the benefits of an actively managed portfolio with decades of investment expertise to back it. Evervestment also provides you access to an actual human advisor should you need it, not some pop-up chat box on their website. So whether you're saving for your first vacation home or your first day of retirement, Evervestment can get you there. All you have to do is head to their website, brand new, www evervestment.com and it will guide you through the process to start investing for your future today you don't have to be a millionaire evervestment from evergreen golf call a premier wealth manager in the northwest unfiltered Manion. it's coming Manion steps up and it's intercepted it is picked up by Deshaun Shedd who's all alone Deshaun Shedd Seattle. So let's react to the uh, second preseason game. It was in Minneapolis against the Vikings, a loss, but that's not the story as we come out of that game. This chat with Brady Henderson is brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. Everybody needs a new fireplace this football season, and the team at Fireside Home Solutions makes it easier than ever. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Brady Henderson. On the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, Brady, the story, I think, of the night uh, on Sunday has to be the news of DK Metcalf. What do you know about the knee injury? What do you know about the surgery? And what's your best guess? Is anybody guessing when he'll come back? Yeah, well, first of all, I agree with you. That was probably more significant than anything that happened uh, in that game. And, you know, I was, full disclosure, not in Minneapolis, so I was listening to the Pete Carroll press conference uh, over the live stream, and you know the word from Pete Carroll is that he's going to have knee surgery uh, likely on Tuesday. Carroll did not really specify what uh, the injury is um, that Metcalf is having fixed, but he did express you know some optimism that um, you know it's not going to keep him out for very long. I think you know when he was pressed on it, he said um, it, when he was pressed on whether or not they feel like Metcalf is going to be ready by week one, he didn't really give a direct answer saying yes or no. Uh, but he said that there is optimism there um, that it'll be a quick recovery. So um, as with any, you know, anytime Pete Carroll gives, you know, a, a kind of a timetable on an injury, you always have to view that within the context of, you know, the fact that Carroll tends to be pretty optimistic about these things. Um, so, you know, not even knowing uh, what the surgery is or how the surgery went, it's really hard to say, um, you know, when Metcalf might be available, but Pete Carroll does seem to, to think that it, it could be, not very long. Do we know how he got hurt, Brady, or when? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, Pete Carroll said it happened a couple of days ago, and um, you know, we were there. We, you know, all every practice last week, but Friday's practice was open to the media, and um, I saw Metcalf out there doing, you know, what looked like a normal uh, amount of stuff every practice that we were able to see. So um, that makes me wonder if whatever happened was on Friday. Then again, you know, Friday is, is uh, your, whatever practice they have, you know, the last practice before a preseason game uh, or an actual game is very slow tempo. Uh, it's usually just a walkthrough. So um, that is something that we'll have to get more clarity from, from mm -hmm. Pete Carroll on uh, in terms of when it happened, because I certainly didn't see anything in the practices that we saw last week. Now he missed, 
he missed the scrimmage and he missed some subsequent practices because of a different injury or is all this related? No, that was, yeah, that was uh, an oblique injury, I believe it was. And I actually, you know, I had to think about that because it was such a, you know, a minor thing at the time. It was, uh, you know, Pete Carroll said it was a minor oblique injury. And I think Metcalf was back to practice either the next day or the day after that. And he was back doing, um, you know, kind of the, the normal amount of stuff. So that injury was sort of, uh, in the past just because it didn't really keep him out for very long. Do we know of DK Metcalf from his college days as being an injury-prone player, or do we not Do we not know whether he missed games at Mississippi for different reasons? Well, yeah, well, he, yeah, he did miss several games, including, um, you know, I think he was injured, suffered that season-ending neck injury uh, in the seventh game of last season, and, you know, he had some, you know, some other – um, injuries before that. I don't know the exact total of games missed, but that was kind of a you know a knock on him uh, coming out of of college, and maybe one reason why you know a guy that physically imposing um, and, you know with the forty time and the size that he has fell all the way to the final pick of the second round. Um, but again, you know this is this is obviously a much different injury than that one, and um, you know don't really know if this right. is you know, a soft tissue thing or what. So it's hard to say whether this is, you know, a, a product of a guy being, you know, quote unquote injury prone. So at the time of this recording, Brady Henderson and I on the Zeke's Pizza hotline, at the time of this recording, we are three weeks, 21 days, I, I guess, from that opening game against Cincinnati. Even the most, and I, I'm, I'm going to play skeptic here with Pete Carroll, even the most insignificant, little, tiny, itsy bitsy knee surgery uh, I, I have a hard time believing you're going to have a guy back, a wide receiver that that uses his legs and 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 you know all the things that come along with surgery. Uh, I have a hard time believing in 21 days he's going to be on a football field against Cincinnati. Or am I just being a negative Nelly on this? No, I, I think it's entirely fair to to have that skepticism. And um, you know, I remember thinking, you know, when when Pete Carroll was saying expressing similar optimism about Geno Smith coming back uh, quickly, I remember thinking the same thing. There aren't a whole lot of surgeries that a guy can come back from right away. Now, what Smith had was apparently one of those. He had a cyst re- removed from his knee. So that's, um, that is definitely on the minor side, but um, it doesn't sound like this is that. You know, Pete Carroll said that it happened. Whatever happened, happened, uh, you know, within the last few days in practice. So, um, you know, if it's something like a knee scope, you know, those can certainly vary. And I'm, and I'm doing my best to play, you know, amateur doctor here. I remember, you know, two years ago, Luke Jokel missed, you know, he had a knee scope, I think, in October and that put him out for well over a month. So, um, you know, we think of a knee scope being about as minor of a surgery as a guy can get. But even that, um, you know, can keep somebody out for right. several weeks. So. And, e- and even in the perfect world, Brady, I think you and I can agree on this. Even in the perfect world where DK Metcalf, a rookie – is physically able enough to play on opening day, he loses all the work with Russell Wilson in the meantime. He doesn't play with him on Sunday night in Minneapolis. He doesn't play in the final two preseason games. He doesn't practice a lot with him. And so you wonder what what could be the effectiveness between Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf, even in the world where he plays on opening day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those guys have gotten plenty of work together, you know, during practice from all the way back in the offseason to the first few weeks of training camp. But, you know, they didn't have that time in the scrimmage because Metcalf didn't play, as you said. 
they didn't have that time in the first preseason game because Wilson didn't play. So um, certainly, you know, you would like to see those guys get some game reps together. You know, I go back to, um, you know, the first preseason game when, you know, Geno Smith barely overthrew Metcalf on uh, two, right. you know, what would have been two long completions. Two right. And he said afterwards that, you know, he's used to catching those passes in practice from Russell Wilson. So that's just a reminder that, um, you know, as much as we talk about the preseason being meaningless, well, you know, for a, a, for a quarterback and a rookie receiver who's never played an NFL game, it can be meaningful. So um, you're right there. That Even in the best-case scenario of him coming back by week one, he does miss this time. And, by the way, you know, it's not a good thing when your first three draft picks, your top three draft picks, L.J. Collier, Marquise Blair, who suffered back spasms tonight, uh, and DK Metcalf are all sidelined with injuries of whatever degree. This is the voice of ESPN.com insider, Seahawks insider, Brady Henderson, who joins us each and every week on Mitch Unfiltered. Are you one of those homes? Do you have one of those homes with an ugly fireplace that seriously cramps your style? It's time to change it out, folks. Fireside Home Solutions in Seattle makes it easier than ever to find the fireplace that's perfect for your family FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Do we know anything more about the Blair back spasms on Sunday night in the second game against Minneapolis? Brady? Uh, no, from from what I heard and, and the comments I saw from Carroll, he did not have a ton to say about that other than, um, you know, there was a play where his back started tightening up and then it didn't really get any better. So he, he had to come out and, um, you know, who, so we really don't know about okay. the severity of that, if that's going to be a recurring issue or was not. Was he ahead, do you think? Well, you know, th- there was a play earlier in that game before he came out where uh, I think it was um, Herb Smith Jr. caught a touchdown pass that clearly was a busted yeah, his, coverage. Yes, now, it's yes. not clear who that was, but, it, you know, usually the, the guy who was nearest, um, that's the first guy you look at as being possibly the culprit. And, it you know, it certainly looked like that may have been uh, a bust on Marquise Blair's part. Marquise Blair's part. So, um, you know, that that's something that Carroll said last week that, you know, they've got to – he's got to, you know – make sure that he, he knows what they're doing defensively. And that's, you know, certainly the, the, the risk that you take with playing a young defensive back, especially a guy who, you know, remember, he, Marquise Blair missed a lot of time in the offseason with a hamstring injury. So there's a little bit of catch-up that he's playing. So, you know, is, is certainly, you know, he has way more upside than any of the other safeties that they have or any of the other safeties competing for that spot. Uh, we've saw him, you know, live up to his reputation as a big hitter, um, but that is one area where if he's going to win that job, you know, he's got to be sound in coverage. And um, there was at least one mental mistake in the first preseason game and possibly one in this game. So not really sure if he's ahead uh, yet, but and certainly this injury is, is going to muddy that, that uh, situation. Brady, how do you feel like the first team offense looked? We saw the quarterback for the first time. We saw the left tackle uh, pretty much the whole offensive line, minus m- maybe one of the guards. Uh, we saw the wide receiver. We saw the running back, Chris Carson, for the first time. It seemed like outside of maybe a throw to Jerron Brown that maybe was a little high from Russell Wilson, and there was another one later to Carson that they misfired. It seemed to me anyway, I'm just going to answer the question myself and then throw it to you. <laughs> I, I thought I thought the offense, the first-team offense, looked pretty good, especially in the run game, and Carson looked spry to me. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, really, save for those uh... – uh, you know, those two misfires from Wilson, you saw what you want to see from him. And I think more importantly, or just as importantly, 
He also saw some pretty good pass protection, yes. which you know I don't need yes. to remind anybody that that has been the bugaboo of yeah. Seattle's offensive line for a number of years. So um, you know there was you know I think the the throw that Russell missed uh, on the third down to Jerron Brown, I think there was some pressure in his face on a blitz. Um, so I don't know if that was necessarily just a you know a guy getting beat one on one so much as it was. Uh, Russell having to get rid of the ball in a hurry. So, um, you know, you like that. Probably don't want to see, you know, Jermaine Effetti and Justin Brick get called for false starts, especially with all the, you know, penalty issues from the first game. Um, but all in all, I think it, yeah, it was a good showing. And, uh, you know, Chris Carson did not play in that last preseason game, so it's probably good for him as physical of a runner as he is uh, to kind of knock off some of the cobwebs. You saw him lower his shoulder into a defender on that, that first thought he outside played run too much. he had. I so, thought he played too much. I, I, <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing. You know, as soon as you see him get kind of tackled in the backfield and, and have, you know, guys sort of uh, piling up on him, that, you know, that's probably all you need to see of Chris Carson. And so yeah. – uh, they got him out after that, which I think makes a lot of sense. What, what, how many – I thought Tyler Lockett looked pretty good in, in limited uh, action. What what kind of season does he have to have as the number one – statistically, would you say Tyler Lockett has to have as the number one receiver for this offense to go where it wants to go? Does he have to have an 80-catch year? Does he have to have a 90-catch year? What do you think? Well, you know what? I'm going to answer that in a slightly different way. I, I think that – it's so hard to say what kind of season he might have because, you know, naturally you're going to think, okay, he's going to get more targets because Doug Baldwin is there, uh, is not there rather, and he's going to move into that number one role. You know, but the one thing that I would caution there is that, you know, Doug Baldwin opened up a lot of things for him last year, you know, because as even as injury as injured as Doug was last year, he was still an impact player when he was out there. And by virtue of being Doug Baldwin, he commanded a lot of, you know, the, the defense's attention. Um, so I think it's going to be important for, that's why, you know, this Metcalf injury is, is potentially so, so significant because in order for Tyler Lockett to, to top what he did last year, even match what he did last year, he's got to have somebody on the other side of him uh, that is commanding that attention from the defense that is opening up those opportunities. A lot of the, the damage that you saw Tyler Lockett do last year was winning one-on-one matchups off of play action. And so you certainly have to have the running game, but you also have to have somebody on the other side of him uh, that is taking some of that attention away. So um, I think, you know, assuming that DK Metcalf is, is going to be okay and it's not going to be a long-term injury, um, and assuming he plays similar to what we've seen of him, I think, um, you know, I think 70 catches is probably – Realistic. I don't know if you're going to see a receiver, a Seahawks receiver in this offense, you know, approach 100 catches. Just it's not, there's not going to be that many balls to go around. But yeah, um, yeah I think I think 70 catches, 60 to 70 catches is, is realistic for Tyler Lockett. You know, before you know it, our fireplace season will be in full swing. I can't recommend John and his team at Fireside Home Solutions highly enough. Go over to one of their six showrooms from Seattle down to Portland, the flagship stations on Northeast 20th Street in Bellevue or FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Flip it over to the defense for me, Brady, and I'll start with my negatives. Uh, Obviously, we're all concerned about the defensive line, the depth along the defensive line, no read to start the season, who knows about Ziggy Ansah. Uh, we'll get to Puna here in a minute, which I think was a bright spot, and everybody seems to be on the Puna bandwagon. Let's, let's though, begin on defense with the two corners. We saw in back-to-back plays, correct, 
Uh, both corners mm-hmm. get beat down the field in big plays by Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings. One guy uh, gave up a big reception. The other guy gave up a pass interference penalty, which was a good call. Uh, how much concern do we have that those corners are not good enough in this day and age of big-time passing attacks in the National Football League? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that the jury is still definitely out on both of those guys. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, each had a one bad play in a preseason game. But, um, you know, we, we saw Shaquille Griffin get beat too many times last year, yes, to sir. be frank. And he would admit the same thing. Um, you know, this is a defense that is built around not giving up big plays. And it really prioritizes that. And that's why you hear them say so often, stay on top, stay on top. And they really will, you know, concede shorter gains in order to not give up those big ones. And so um, that was an issue for Shaquille Griffin last year. You know, I, look, I think I thought his coverage was not terrible. It's not like he let Adam Thielen run, you know, right by him. That was kind of a – I think that was more of a savvy move by, by Thielen kind of getting that last-minute separation when it really looked like Shaquille Griffin was, was in good enough position. So, um but but that said, you know he cannot do that this year. That that is that is probably the priority number one for him and for any cornerback in Seattle's defense. And you know as far as Trey Flowers, you know I thought that he was also at the end there. He was in decent position to make a play on that ball. And that's one thing that we've seen uh, from him is is sort of being there but not making the play. I remember in the in the scrimmage a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know there was a play late there when Geno Smith underthrew a ball into the wind and hung up there. Uh, and he was in position to make an interception, and it went right off his hands. Really a similar play happened in practice a few days later. So, um, you know, he had a lot of opportunities last year and, um, you know, didn't have an interception, only had, I think, six pass breakups, which some of that you understand, a guy playing cornerback for the first time. Uh, But that's an area where you want to see his game take the next step. Okay, final point from uh, from Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, the Seahawks insider, also Mitch Unfiltered here. Who stood out to you on defense? Who played well? Puna is uh, kind of becoming a cult hero, isn't he, in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. without Reed and without some other people along that defensive line. And I thought the young linebackers, Calitro and Barton, played well again in preseason game number two. Any of those guys or anybody else stand out to your eye? Yeah, Puna Ford was the first guy. And, um, you know, he, I think, uh, went back and looked at it. He had three tackles on the first three possessions. There was another one uh, on a play that was negated by an offensive penalty. So, really, four tackles, uh, including one that you know, he shot into the backfield and, um, you know, forced what really looked like a fumble. I'm not sure how that got called down uh, by contact or whatever, yeah. whatever the call was. It looked yeah. like he forced a fumble there. So, um, you know, I, I think it's becoming more and more clear that Puna Ford is going to be a starter for them. You saw him, uh, you know, early. You know, he didn't play in that first preseason game uh, when the Seahawks rested a number of starters. He was with the first defense in the scrimmage. He's been routinely working with the starters, so it's it's become pretty clear that he is going to start for them at least while Jaron Reed is suspended. Uh, and then you know, it's also starting to seem like he is really going to be a breakout candidate. Um, now, you know, it, it's, it's not easy for defensive tackles to make those flash plays like that. So, you know, he may have a really good season and not really, you know, jump out a lot. But, um, you know, the Seahawks are very high on him and for good reason because he, he looks like he's going to be a player for them. Who else? Um, you know, elsewhere, yeah, I, I saw Al Woods make a nice, uh, a nice play on a screen pass, I think it was. So it's going to be those two guys uh, by all indications. 
starting out, again, that's going to change. Something's going to change when Jaron Reed comes back in week seven. Uh, but those are going to be the two guys starting. And, um, you know, I, I agree with you, too, on Austin Kleeter. I thought he had some nice plays out there. And interesting, you know, I asked K.J. Wright last week which player, regardless of position, has had the best training camp in his eyes or has impressed him the most, and Austin Cletro was the guy that he mentioned. So probably not a name that has jumped out to most people, right. but that was the guy that K.J. Wright pointed to. And, of course, their special teams guys, they're going to have the best kicking-slash-punting combination in all kick – you know, field goal, kicking, punting combination in all the NFL. Best combo. Well, I mean, it looks like they could, yeah. I mean, you know, kickers are so volatile, so you never know. It, it, the wheels uh, could fall off or a guy could get hot. It, it's just there's never any telling, but – um, yeah, I mean, I think to that point, special teams should be yeah. better for them this year, not just because of, of the, the kicker and the punter, but also because of the coverage units. Um, really, you know, I, I, I wish I had the, the DVOA numbers in front of me, but that was they were, I, I believe, bottom third uh, the past two years. So that's really an area uh, that is kind of quietly, and we all remember how much of a disaster Blair Walsh was in the second half of last season. Um, but really, it hasn't just been the place kicking. It's sort of been overall, with the exception of Michael Dixon's punting last year. Um, and that was, you know, they drafted this year, I think, with an eye towards improving their special teams. So guys like Ben Burkirvan, Ugo Amadi, certainly Cody Barton, yeah. uh, they feel like those guys are going to be able to make an immediate yeah. impact. I think they're going to miss Sebastian Janikowski's coverage uh, on kickoffs. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, I think you're right. I think that they are going to be improved a- a- across the board in special teams. Brady Henderson of ESPN and ESPN.com. Next game, I guess, is in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles against the Chargers on uh, on Saturday. We'll speak to Brady after that game is complete and pass out some more report cards. Brady, thank you very, very much. Appreciate it. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week at this time. All right, sounds good. Talk to you then, Mitch. And there he is, Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN.com, on the Vikings and Seahawks in preseason action. Can you believe that three weeks from today, three weeks from right now, we will be reacting to game one of the regular season between the Bengals and the Seahawks? Hard to believe. How about joining me this season as I make the rounds to different Zeke's Pizza locations and watch the Hawks, the little viewing parties like we had last year for the Super Bowl. Zeke's is the Northwest's homegrown pizza company, founded in Queen Anne 1993. Now most Zeke's locations deliver beer, wine, and even cider, and no one, I repeat, no one in the Northwest does craft beer quite like Zeke's, and that includes delivery. Zeke'sPizza.com or download and use their mobile app or... Call 206-285-8646. Not a third party. Any combination of food and beer, just as long as it's a minimum of $15, you can mix and match. I don't care. Order six different beers, whatever you want. Remember, the one who orders has to be 21 years old and receive it at the door. Zeke'sPizza.com. Zeke's Pizza with me for the Seahawks games. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Our next guest spent the better part of the last 35 years in NFL organizations, and this chat is brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. You need a new fireplace this football season, and the team at Fireside Home Solutions will make it easier than ever. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. From Bill Walsh 
to Bill Belichick. TV stops like ESPN and the NFL Network. He's also the author of a book called Gridiron Genius, a master class in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. You can hear him on podcasts and read him in The Athletic. He's Michael Lombardi. Michael, thanks for being with us. A lot of years in the NFL. You and I have never caught up before. You're one of the guys that worked with Bill Belichick in Cleveland. You worked with him in New England. I'm certain a million people have asked, so let me be the million and first. Tell me the differences between Bill in Cleveland and Bill in New England. Zero. Absolutely <laughs> zero. There is no difference. Now, here is the variable that we don't discuss. Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, allowed Belichick to establish his culture. He allowed him to build it with the name on the back and being more important than the name on the front. When we were together in Cleveland, Modell, the owner of the Browns at the time, really wasn't interested in that type of program. He wanted to facilitate the media. He wanted to sell the fans. He didn't really buy into that culture. That's the only difference. Now that we are, what, halfway through the uh, the exhibition, the painful exhibition season in the National Football League, I saw, I think it was a recent tweet of yours that said we ought to let the, the fans watch the, the scrimmages as opposed to the actual preseason football games. Any teams... Uh, meet your eye any teams jump out to you that maybe you didn't expect heading into the uh, the exhibition year tell us about what uh, what tickles Michael Lombardi's fancy these days well you know it's always hard to judge I think it's a little bit more about what quarterbacks do you think kind of look like they've taken a giant step forward you're never really sure about teams because you can't evaluate entire teams in preseason you have to evaluate sections of teams like how do the Minnesota Vikings offensive line in Seattle plays how are they playing better how does New England's wide receivers shape up how does the Philadelphia uh, running back situation shape up those are the kind of things you're looking at but I would say this Philadelphia Eagles look like a really good football team I think the Pittsburgh Steelers look like they're going to be a much improved football team even though Ben Roethlisberger hasn't played I think James Washington this young receiver from Oklahoma State is dynamic he's going to fill the Juju Schuster role Smith Schuster role and Smith Schuster is going to fill the Antonio Antonio Brown role. They could be very good on offense, even though they don't have Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. And I think Devin Bush defensively gives them a huge lift. So when I'm watching preseason games, I'm not looking at the entire team. I'm looking for sections of teams that have to come through. For example, I think Tampa Bay's offensive line needs to play really good. They haven't so far this preseason. Same thing with Miami. That makes me less inclined to think that they'll be much better. Are the Steelers good enough defensively overall to win that division, and while we're on the, the AFC North, obviously the whole world is watching and writing about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, are, you, are, you buying, are you buying the Cleveland Browns for 10 or, 10 or more wins this year in the North? Uh, I am. Uh, I call the Cleveland Browns the Virgil Salazzo of the NFL. And for those who don't know who Virgil Salazzo is, he was in Godfather 1. He made a move on the Godfather, tried to have him killed, and then he didn't work. So he went from being the the guy who was nobody was taken for seriously to being the hunted one. That's the Browns. They went from being really, you know, you played the Browns every year until this year. You as a coach had to spend a lot of time trying to get your players up for the game. You had to convince them that the Browns were a better team than their record indicated. Now you don't have that problem. Now you walk into the team meeting on Monday getting ready to play the Browns and say, look, these guys think they're going to the Super Bowl. These guys are on national TV five of the first eight weeks. 
These guys, even though they didn't make the playoff last year, fellas, everybody in America thinks they're the greatest team. That's a great motivator for your players. And I think they're going to see the Browns, that being. They're going to see everybody's A game. They're going to see everybody's best punch. And can they do that? Can they win games in the last five minutes when it matters? And I think everybody's overlooking the fact that their offensive line lacks severe depth. Their left tackle situation, Greg Robinson, a former first-round pick of the Rams, has bounced around the league. Their their right tackle, Chris Hubbard, not really a dynamic right tackle. I think it's going to come down to how healthy they stay and how well that offensive line plays. Who's going to win the North? I like Pittsburgh. I think think the greatest thing that ever happened at Pittsburgh was a, a subtraction. Sometimes less is more. And losing Antonio Brown and all those headaches and getting rid of Le'Veon Bell and all those headaches, I think they finally have a locker room that they like. I think it's a good team. I've never been around a football team that won Super Bowls, and I've been on three Super Bowl winning teams that didn't like each other, that didn't, ha- that didn't have a really good chemistry within their locker room. Mm-hmm. I think the Steelers get that back. They let the Browns become the, the pole setter out of, out of the quarter mark in the horse race, and then they just sit there and watch. This Devin Bush is going to make a ton of tackles for him. He's going to make them better in the red zone because one thing I know in my experience in the NFL, when your Mike linebacker is slow, your defense is slow. And last year, the Mike linebacker, for the Browns, John Bostic, for the Steelers, John Bostic was not very good, and I think they've really upgraded themselves. Michael, you've been outspoken about your concerns over the new holding penalties in the run game and the impacts on play calling. It's being called at a record-setting pace, obviously, in the preseason. Are, are they sending a message? Is the NFL sending a message, and then they'll ease up? And, and, then, and then graduate to talking about where these holding calls are being made and does it affect the outside run game the inside run game talk to us about the emphasis on holding in the nfl you know they sent up they, they've made it a mandate they're going to call holding more the nfl is going to be more uh cognizant of holding they're not you know we used to have a line mitch where we said you know you could call holding on every play well based on this summer they have been calling holding <laughs> on every play right and so you know and I think it's going to affect, you know, I do a show for Vegas Stats and Information Network, and I think it'll affect the over and the unders. I think it's really? going to affect the over. I think it's going to slow down offenses. Because, look, if you get called for holding on a drive, your chances of scoring go way down. First and 20, second and 20 are hard to overcome. They're hard to get first downs. And a team like Seattle that wants to establish the run, there's a 60% chance of a holding call on most all running plays. So they've got to be very diligent. Now, when you try to run the ball wide, and you try to get around the corner, and your tight end gets his hand on the outside shoulder of the outside linebacker, they're going to call holding on it. Even though he may not be grabbing cloth, if his hand's out there, they're going to call it. And that's going to slow down a lot of drives. I think you've got to change your play calling. You've got to change your philosophy. Because the one thing is with pass protection, three-step drop, rhythm throws, you can't get called for holding as much in those situations. Well, how about holding away from the ball, Michael? You know, I, I talked about that uh, You know, on my podcast. I talked about it. Uh, on VEASAN, it's really, uh, you know, to me, that's always been the, the area they weren't going to go into. If, if, there's, if the play's away and a guy's five players away from making a tackle and somebody tugs on his jersey, they can't call that. But it appears to me that they're calling it. And especially with teams that want to run cutback plays, when you want to start the play to the right, let's say, to the offensive right, the defensive left, and you want to bend it back to the, to the, to the back towards the left tackle, you know, that guy on the inside, typically he's trying to flow and then he reverts back. Mm-hmm. And often, 90% of the time, the offensive lineman holds him for a second so that that back can get by. Sometimes they call it, sometimes they don't. Now it's going to get called quite a bit. 
Uh, longtime NFL personnel man Michael Lombardi on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Most homes have these old, ugly fireplaces that seriously cramp the style of your house. Fireside Home Solutions in Seattle makes it easy to find the fireplace that's perfect for your family. Dak wants more than Russell Wilson. Dak wants more than everybody, Michael. I don't understand that. I think he's a good player. Uh, except for maybe he's going to be the last guy, the newest guy to sign, and the newest guy to sign seems to always get the biggest contract. What do you think of his demands, and how do you think this plays out in Dallas over the next year? If I were Jerry Jones and I was watching flying back from Hawaii last night and I saw Jared Stidham, a fourth-round pick from the New England, for the New England Patriots, by the way, of Auburn, play as well as he did, and if I saw Ryan Finley against the Washington Redskins play as well as he did for the Cincinnati Bengals, I would think to myself, you know what? We found Josh and we found Dak in the fourth round. We can find another. I'll be damned if I'm going to pay him forty million a year. In fact, I don't think I should pay him thirty-five million a year. I mean, what I think is happening is it's that fallacy of the false alternative. We don't have another option. We have to pay him. No, no, no. You can't do that. I think Seattle's made that mistake in the past, where they paid players that were got away from Pete's philosophy, got away from what he truly believes in defending the middle of the field and being able to not have to pay corners in his system because he needs corners to react to the ball. They're playing mostly zone. They need to play the deep ball in the part third of the field. And so when you get away from that and you lose your philosophy, it messes up your team. I think Dak could mess up their team. Look, I would have the conversation with Dak very simply. Look, Dak, you're a good player, and you're going to get paid a lot. But if you want to have all the money now, you're not going to get paid a lot because that's probably not going to work out. But if you want to have a career of 10 years of making a significant amount of money, then stay with me and you'll get that. Michael, stay in the NFC East. Daniel Jones uh, fumbled the ball all over the place the other night, but when he held on to it and threw it, he looked good throwing it. What do you think about what the Giants are doing? They're obviously standing by Eli Manning publicly. How, how quickly can Daniel Jones find his way into the lineup, do you think? Well, I think this, you know, look, Mitch, they played against the, the Bears' third stringers the other night. The Bears decided not to play anybody. Okay. And so they didn't. And so they came out there, and Eli looked good, and Daniel Jones looked good. I think you got to be careful in the preseason. you got to evaluate the you got to evaluate the opponent. And I think that the Giants played really well. But unfortunately, there was nobody on the Bears team that's probably going to play the Thursday night in the opener against the Packers in terms of the starting lineup. They're just going to be the backups, and I think you got to be careful. Now, look, I think Daniel Jones needs to play. I think we've seen enough of Eli Manning over the last two seasons. If you have a franchise quarterback, ask yourself this question: We were two and four. We are two and uh, two and fourteen over the first eight games the last two years. Now, what franchise quarterback wins two games in the first eight two years in a row? Not very many. So, when do you think? You know, I think that the Giants live in a lie. I think the Giants with John Mara, Dave Gettleman, I think they're, they, they are what I call remember when. They're remembering when Eli was good. He's not good anymore, and they're having a hard time walking away from it. Uh, and we sit here in Seattle in the NFC West. What do you think? Obviously, the Rams had a great year last year. People were very excited about the San Francisco 49ers last year before the quarterback got hurt. And obviously, the Seahawks have been a calm influence. They've always been there at the end uh, in, the, in the NFC West. How do you view our division out here, Michael? Look, I think the Rams are good, but I think their depth is really not very good. I think you see it in the preseason. And when they don't play their starters, their backups are not very good. Now, I think they're very good. I think Sean McVay does an excellent job. And I think they'll continue. But they've got to hope they don't get a Cooper Cup injury, that which hurt them last year tremendously. 
they got to hope Todd Gurley can stay healthy because that's a key for what they want to do offensively because Gurley's the straw that stirs that drink, not Jared Goff. It's Gurley and McVay's ability to hide that offensive line and not allow that offensive line to have really an impact on the game because they do so much play-action passes. And then I think the 49ers are a great story. Look, I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a great play caller, and he's a great play designer. But they got to fix their defense. Their defense at times leaves them behind, and they've got so much money in their defensive front in terms of high draft picks and paying players. They signed D. Ford. They draft Bosa. They've got Buckner. They've got Armstead. They've got a bunch of these Solomon Thomas, the third pick overall in the draft. They've got to get production from their defensive line. I'm not sold on their defense. I'm not. I think Arizona is going to probably compete for the first pick in the draft. And then I think the 49ers – if they could get to seven or eight wins, I would be surprised. So what about the Se- Seahawks have a ton of questions on defense and the defensive line. Yeah. They've lost a lot of impact players from a year ago. I don't see it defensively here in Seattle. So what does that mean? That means you like the Rams to repeat in the West? I do, but I think Seattle, the one thing I think that Pete's gotten his team back is he's gotten his team back to where he likes the team and they're playing to the way he wants to play. And I think the fact that they're able to run the football effectively. Now, look, Russell Wilson, when you watch their offense and looked at their numbers, you said, wow, he didn't play very good. But then when you really study what he did last year, you can see why the Madden game had him as the fifth-best quarterback in football last year. He played really well, and he he exceeded in almost all of his career numbers. I think they're going to need that kind of year from him, and they're going to need to play less defense. You know, the key, Mitch, in the NFL today is not about playing great defense. It's about playing less defense. Mm -hmm. you got to play less defense. Last year, the Cowboys, for example, When they played 30 minutes or less of defense last year, they were undefeated in the NFL. If you can play less defense, you'll be more effective. And with Seattle's style, and if they can control the ball on third down and Wilson does what he does, they'll play less defense next year. It sounds to me like, Michael, as we finish up at this point, I know we're only halfway through the preseason, you think the Philadelphia Eagles are the class of the NFC. How about the AFC? Would it be the Chiefs again? Uh, who, who in the AFC strikes your eye at this point? I, I really like Pittsburgh. I think Kansas City is going to be dynamic. This Hardeman kid they drafted in the second round from Georgia yeah. gives them another sprinter to go along with Tyree Teal, who I don't understand why he isn't suspended for six or eight or 12 right, games. Right, right. But that's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. But I do like the Chiefs. I think it's going to be interesting to see where they are defensively. I'm not sure they're as talented as they think they are, the Patriots are going to be where they are. I think it's Pittsburgh, New England, and Kansas City are the teams to worry about over there. And then in the NFC, I think it's Minnesota. Yeah. I think it's Philadelphia, and I think it's the Rams, and I think Seattle. I think those are all good teams. I don't know what to make of Green Bay. I think Green Bay hiring a coach out of Tennessee with one of the worst offenses in football and putting him with a guy named Aaron Rodgers who wants to coach the team and thinks he knows offensive football. I don't think that's a real good formula. Yeah. Well, many, many years, 35 years, San Francisco, lots of years in Cleveland, Philadelphia, Oakland, Cleveland again, New England Patriots, Bill Belichick twice. You can hear him on podcasts, read him in The Athletic. I've really enjoyed your work since you've become kind of one of us, Michael, from afar here in Seattle. And I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I hope that we can do it again sometime. Anytime. Thank you, Mitch. Michael Lombardi, former NFL executive, fearful of the backside holding calls, which have been a point of emphasis during the preseason, even more than he worries about challenges to pass interference. Interesting. Did you know that as a thank you to loyal customers, Daniel's Broiler has launched a new rewards program that can easily be managed from its own app? 
Go to the Apple Store or Google Play. Download the Daniel's Broiler app. You can join Daniel's new rewards program for free, obviously. When you download the app, you register 100 free points right away. Then, for every 500 you spend at any Daniel's, members receive a $20 reward. And for every $2,500 spent, an extra 20 on top of the normal rewards. Daniel's is trying to thank and reward every one of their guests. Also, through August, offering double points at the new downtown location. So, download the Daniel's Broiler app today. Locally owned by the Schwartz family, South Lake Union, Leshine Marina, Bellevue Place, and now the new downtown Hyatt Regency, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. It's been a long time. It's been a very, very long time, a full summer. I expected movie mogul Max to be making some regular appearances on Mitch Unfiltered. Where have you been all my where have you been all summer for God's sakes? I've been busy. I've been working. <laughs> Come I've on. been out. I've been seeing these movies. I gotta see these movies. We got a big I have nine movies to talk about. You I and counted. I are together every single day. You were golfing. Before, I wasn't golfing. Before and after you seeing these movies, your audience, your fans, I don't see any tweets from Movie Mogul Max. You go I'm weeks without it. tweeting. I, I'm, oh, my what, goodness. What, what, what kind of a mogul are you? If you're going to be Movie Mogul Max, I'm we building need anticipation. I see. Okay. I, say, we, I have nine movies. I was going to. Nine uh, movies. You think that we is- have the. You think our listeners have the bandwidth? To listen to your review of nine different movies, you've seen probably more than nine. Nine movies. since we did the last one. Okay. I'm going to rank them all. All right, and we're going to start at the bottom. Okay, nine movies, eight of them in theaters, one of them a classic. Okay, have you seen? Before we start with all nine, have you seen any of them multiple times? I have seen parts of. Oh yes, I've seen one of them multiple times. Which one have you seen? That tells us a lot, right? Well, if you've seen it multiple times, that yes, tells us it was your favorite of the bunch. No? Perhaps. We will get there. I can't, ah. I can't spoil the ending for you. <laughs> okay. So, out of the nine I've seen, my least favorite of them was the movie that just came out, 47 Meters Down, Uncaged. I never even heard of it. It's a, it's kind of a sequel of sorts. It's a thriller. It's a thriller. It's All about right. these people who are swimming, and they get lost, and they have to save their skin from a shark who just comes out of nowhere and kills like half of them. And my biggest gripe with this movie, it's not a horrible movie. I'm going to give it, I, I, I'd give it about two stars. Yeah. Two out of five. Two out of five. Okay. Nobody's going to waste their time with a no, movie they've never heard the of shark, about skin and sharks. The shark looks like, the shark would have passed for a realistic shark in 1980. The shark was, I could tell it was so fake looking. That was my biggest gripe. The shark, they didn't even try. It, that's what it felt like to me. They could have done more to make it feel like Have you seen Jaws? Shark. I have not. You've not seen Jaws. No. But you've been on that amusement ride where Jaws comes up out of the water at Life Universal. I have Universal. no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you have. You were with oh, us on I... the tour when Jaws comes oh, out yeah. and takes you yes. by. The, yeah, you've been yes, on that. Yes, but yeah, yeah but it, it could have passed in the past, but I feel like they could have done more to make the shark okay. feel like a real shark. Let's so, forget it. Yeah, not Let's that forget good. it. So don't go see it. Don't rent it. Don't See, the problem with you waiting all summer to do the review is aren't most this of these- This movie just came out. This movie just yeah, came out. Yeah, but we're not going to waste recent. our time with it. It's it's for I mean, then again, I'm not big on thriller and horror movies, which is why the next the only the two bottom ones are thriller and horror movies. All right. So the second one on my list is actually going to be Crawl. 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 It's Jaws. Never heard of it. But alligators. It's Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Florida is going through this massive hurricane and the alligators get loose. That's literally the concept of the story. And it is it is it's 
It's like the same thing. Do you know, so you don't know this because you don't listen to Mitch Unfiltered, right? You're not a Mitch Unfiltered listener. When uh, was the last time you sat down and you listened to a Mitch Whenever Unfiltered? Scott was here last recording with you. I can hear you, I can hear you from around <laughs> the house. <laughs> okay, but you didn't hear our guest, Ken Green, in episode 52, which everybody's talking about. And you should really support the podcast. It's catching on. Oh, yeah. But Ken Green tells a story of how once an alligator had his dog and he jumped in and wrestled the alligator to save his dog. A oh. true life story. None of this right. made for movie crap. This yeah. is a true life. A golfer jumping into the water to wrestle with would you jump into the water no. and wrestle an alligator to save Sadie? No, I wouldn't jump into you the water. You don't even give Sadie wrestle. any attention to begin with. It's not with. Sadie, it's the alligator. <laughs> I'm not trying to go toe to toe with an alligator. Toe to toe? No. Uh, okay. 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 Sorry. Toe to toe to, to chomp. Okay. I'll get, I'll get chomped. Okay. okay. So right. I'd give that one. I'd give it two stars. You're all business. It's about yeah. it, it's. No, there's nothing that stands out. It's just not my type of movie. Okay. So then it gets a little bit tougher for me. People will hit me here, but so I guess we did two Toy Story. We did Toy Story. Okay. Yeah. Then I only have eight movies. So oh, we go up to only the eight. Third, yeah, only eight <laughs> movies. The Lion King. The Lion King is the next one on this list. Is it still out? It's still in theaters. Okay. I would go see it. By this point, this movie is not bad. I give it three stars. It's still a it's still a good movie, but it's not as good as the is original. Is it animated? It is animated to look like real life. That's the thing. They went animated in a completely different like- direction than like the Broadway play where they kind of were the actors and actresses in the play, but they put the thing on their head. They were like right. a headdress. Yeah. This is made to look like real life. And okay. it looks good, but... It just doesn't do it for me. Maybe it's. I mean, I like kind of the pop star spin. I love on the it. music though. The music is great. People but they, can just go for the music alone. It's been kind of hair splitting the way that they did because they have Donald Glover or Childish Gambino, whatever one you want to call him. He's older Simba, and he kind of puts his own pop spin on some of the songs. He's riffing oh. on a little bit, and then there's Beyonce, who's the older Nala, and it's so like old traditionalists, so, traditionalists yes. like me are not going to like some the music. people. Some people were not completely satisfied with the music, okay. where it didn't hit the spot like the original music. I thought it was pretty good though. Uh, yeah. It wasn't bad, but yeah. this movie didn't, you know, surpass the original. It never, it never, it probably never would have. Okay. So then next- you know you have a ninth movie that you that you're not thinking of. That everybody wants to hear. City Slicker? Is this still the City Slicker? Well, you haven't seen City Slickers, and you haven't seen Rain Man, and you haven't seen Titanic, which I can't believe. Oh, my goodness. But you did see the movie in L.A. of Dad Eating Mushrooms. Don't forget to review Uh, that. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll Uh, get there. Okay. Uh, Okay, so then next up, so that's our bottom three. So then the next movie on the list, this is where it gets tough for me. We're working our way upwards. We're working our way upwards. Ones that you like. This is tough. Okay. This is real tough because... This leaves me with, I'm going to have to say that my next favorite movie was The Matrix Reloaded. The this Matrix is, Reloaded this is starring... Keanu Reeves. Okay. Which is uh, the only older movie I watched. I watched it when we when I was on a plane. <laughs> okay. But I, I, and I really love the choreography in this film. The choreography? The fight choreography. Oh. It's, it's really fight good. Scenes. Okay. It's really good. And, and it's not, again, not a bad movie. Three and a half stars. I saw, it's not as good as the original, and, but it's still good. It's just not as good as the movies I have. We took your grandma to see Keanu Reeves' house in Beverly Hills, just so you know. Is it big? It's, I don't he, he's, a, he's a modest guy. He's really he modest. Comes out, we were told he comes out in mo- He's always riding motorcycles. He, I think I've got the right guy. Is Keanu Reeves the guy that was in with Sandra Bullock and Speed? Was that Keanu Reeves? I don't know. He's I think that's the most Keanu known for Reeves. John Wick and The Matrix, yeah. Which, yeah. which is our next movie on the list. No, actually, no. Sorry, it's, I, miss, I missed a spot. The next one is Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw, a, this starring one, this one, 
Anybody Dwayne The Rock know? Johnson and yeah. Jason Statham. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. And Idris Elba. Okay. But this is Jason Thomas. Statham is the real kind of he, he plays he, the bad. He looks like a villain at all he times. Does, he does. He does a lot of like mean flips. spirited. Kind of, yeah. 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 So I have a lot to say about this movie, and this is going to be more geared towards Fast and Furious fans. This, this is a Fast and Furious spinoff movie. You know, okay. Vin Diesel. Yeah. Uh, but Vin Diesel's not in it. No, this is uh. a spinoff because Vin Diesel and Dwayne the Rock Johnson reportedly have major beef and don't like each other. Okay. So because the rumor is they didn't even film together in the last one. Really? They, they never were on set together, even though they, and they edited to make it. But so here's the issue with the spinoff. It's a good movie. Three and a half stars. Good. But it's a buddy cop movie. What does that mean? A buddy cut movie? Buddy cop. Buddy cop movie. Think Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there's a problem because they don't work because buddy cop movies derive off tension because the characters are opposites, polar opposites, right? Yeah. Think Lethal Weapon. You got the loose cannon. Yeah. You got the by the book. Right. The problem is these two guys don't like each other because they were used to be enemies. That's how Fast and Furious works. The bad guys be end up joining the good guys for some moral reason. And these guys had beef at the beginning of Fate of the Furious, which is the eighth movie in that franchise. All right. But by the middle of that movie, they come to respect each other for who they are, and the beef is apparently gone. But then in this movie, they they are they are back where they started before. It's almost as if that didn't happen. Okay. So it doesn't work because there are two guys that are very similar characters, and all the tension is just them yelling insults insults at each other. It's manufactured. Okay. It's manufactured. But tension. still gets three and a half stars. Still three and a half stars because the action. How much should the Rock incredible. get for this one? Isn't he the highest paid? I think so. Actor I don't. Right I have no idea, but okay. it's a lot. Okay. It's a lot. So okay. then, next up on the list is John Wick Three. I finally got around to seeing John Wick Three. John Wick Three. I haven't and seen the other. And this is Keanu two. Reeves again. This is Keanu Reeves. God, you spent your summer with Keanu Reeves more than me, more than your dad. So, so <laughs> this movie, people. I, apparently, people have been wanting He's me to business, review this movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm all. I'm all business. Okay, I'm all business. Yeah. Except for my favorite part of this movie is a cameo. It's a cameo. The action is great. It's very violent. Oh. And it's not it's not like gory, like blood all over the place, but it's it's violent and it's fighting. Okay. But my favorite cameo is because the story is John Wick broke the rules. He's an assassin. He broke the rules, though. So now they're putting a bounty on his head. He broke what rules? The so, rules so, of assassins? So, so, so here's the rule. The, the assassins have these this hotel. This hotel is, has different locations, this yeah. brand of hotels. The yeah. hotels are safe havens for assassins. Okay. They, they cater to criminals. Okay. One rule, no conducting your business inside the hotel. No conducting criminal activity. Okay. Who made this rule? The guys who run the hotels. <laughs> oh, no, okay. Yeah, because okay. they support the do criminals. All, do all your assassinating outside the yes, hotel. Yes, no, yeah. They're, no, they're part of the criminal underworld. <laughs> okay. But they, but they, and he's, they support he's all, them. He's all business, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, Go ahead. We're getting there. Okay. But, uh, but Keanu Reeves, or John Wick, shot somebody in the hotel. Oh, so they no, put no. Him, so they put him up on the No yeah. more shooting yeah, in the hotel. Okay. And so the first person, he's got a bounty. First person, he's in a library, is none other than Boban Marjanovic playing a bounty hunter. Wait a second. He's in a live. Yeah, he gets approached by Boban Marjanovic. He's in the, the guy, movie. The guy that I pointed out to you with the big hands? Yes. And the big schnoz? Yes, he's in the, the movie. And the big everything? Yes, he's How in the movie. How big is he now? Who does he play for now? He plays, I, oh, he signed somewhere new this offseason. He left, he was with Philadelphia last year. He signed somewhere... He's like, how big is that guy? He's like seven something. I think they he's put like, him in the movie? Yes. Like and, they put... Um, what was the guy they put with Danny? De not Danny, with Billy Crystal in Twins. They, they put um, 
the big guy. I, I'll come up with his and name. Like, like Kareem, George. It's George like, Murison like, was in the like, movie. You're, like, you're talking like Kareem in Airplane. No, I'm yeah. talking about George Murison. Do you remember George Murison? I know who he is. Okay, George Murison was so, this Boban character in the yeah. NBA. They put him in a movie, yeah, too, so, I believe. So Boban is this assassin, right? And he and he comes up and, he's, and he gets his ass whooped by John Wick. Boban does. Yeah, well, yeah, because John Wick's the hero. Now, granted, yeah. he towers over John Wick. Yeah, well, he and towers he, over everybody. Yeah, and it, and it was just really funny to see him in there kind That's of fighting. Funny. That's it, it was great. Okay, so that next was, movie. So, so I, three I didn't and a half star- Oh. Uh, yeah, I'd say three and a half. I'd, I, I, would, I would be open to giving it four stars, but, but it's gone I haven't now. seen... It's gone two, now. Yeah, right? Nobody can even... All these movies that you're, that you're telling people to see are gone now. That's uh, why one you should have been with us Number two is the movie I've seen... It's all business, ladies Is the movie I've seen twice. Is, uh, is, no, this is tough. Number two and one are tough because I love them both. Well, give us the, the names before you rank them. One is Spider-Man, Far From Home. I saw it. No, you didn't. I sure oh, you did. did? I sure did. You did? It's the only one on your list that I've seen. And I saw it with your of, brother. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You should be able to guess the last movie because I was talking about this movie all summer until I saw it. Uh, Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. In Hollywood. Which we went and saw the Sharon Tate home. Well, the home's not there anymore. No, but the location. The, the location. I don't know much about the I Manson murders. Both I don't know these this movies. Story. I don't love. I loved both these movies. I saw Spider Man a couple of times, and I love them both. And I'd give them. I'd give Spider Man four and a half stars. Okay, is it not out anymore? It's it's gone. But <laughs> Hollywood is. I'd give Hollywood four stars. I would oh, say that. God. I would say that Spider Man. I'd say that Spider-Man. Most shows have their have their reviewer come on right when the movie comes out, so people know whether to see it or not. They don't wait for the reviewer to come on after the movie is gone. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Hollywood's Holy still out. Hollywood's filter. still out. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is still out. Okay, he's all business. It's it's okay. the second best. I'd say Spider-Man was the best movie I've seen all summer. And the reason I say this is because Spider-Man just touched on everything. It was a great follow-up to Avengers: Endgame. And it was also its great standalone movie, and it had a great cameo. They reprised, um, oh man, I'm forgetting his name, as Jonah Jameson, J. Jonah Jameson. Point is, he made a, He was in the original Spider. You remember the old Spider-Man movies? Of course, with like Tobey Maguire. Of course, he repri- he was J. Jonah Jameson there, and he reprised his role as as. So Jay- you loved it. So I loved it. I how loved many, it. How many stars? Four and a half stars. Okay. Easy. Now and- we'll get to Hollywood. Now this is four stars. So it's number two. What is? Hollywood. Once oh, so Spider-Man was yes. your favorite movie of the summer. Yes. And I saw it. You know where I saw it? Um, In Vancouver, Vancouver Washington. Washington. I did. So I love Tarantino, and I was very excited for this movie. And it's great. I love the pairing of Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio as the two main this. characters. I got to see this. It's yeah. still, you better hurry. It's leaving theaters soon. I really? would see I'm it going this, week. this week. See it this I'm week. going this week. And it's, it's slow. Of course it is. It's Tarantino. And it's great because- Am I going to understand it? Is it going to be over it, my it's, head? No, it's, you're going to understand it just fine. It's, okay. it's funny. There's great acting. There's not, unlike most Tarantino films, he doesn't go all in on violence. So if you're someone who doesn't like, like lots and lots of violence, this isn't like the Hateful Eight, okay. where it's like full two hours of people just blood going everywhere, people just shooting each right, other. Right, right. The violence is all kind of towards the end. Okay. But it's just a good story. And it's the second best movie of the summer. It's the second best movie and of the it, summer. And it's the it. story that I really... I don't know why I've missed alternate it over history. These years. Alternate history. Tarantino doesn't do history movies. He does alternate history. It what is does not that mean? The, meaning that he tinkers with it a little bit. Let's take Inglorious Bastards, a movie he made about World War II. He does. He he tinkers with it. In that movie, Hitler dies. 
the, the, the Americans kill him. They blow up this this movie premiere. So he takes a historical event and he just changes modifies it, around. it a little See, bit. See, I don't I gotta learn the do I need to know the historical event? These people that went in via Marilyn Marilyn, I call him Marilyn Manson. With, via Manson m- m- via Charles Manson go into this home and they shoot up everybody and kill everybody, including actress Sharon Tate, yeah. who was Roman Polanski's girlfriend at the time or yeah. something, and others in this home in Beverly yes. Hills, California. Yes. And now he takes that and he plays Works around with, with it. it. Yeah. Okay. Similar right. characters. Okay. And now Rick Dalton, who's the main character. Okay. Complete, I right. believe he's... Okay. Anyway. All right. So you're telling people if they're going to see anything... Well, first of all, they should definitely go out and see Once Upon, Once Upon a, time. a Time... I loved it. ...in Hollywood. Yes. Okay. That's still out. Yes. Spider-Man, you can't see anymore. You got to no, rent it. No. Okay. But it's worth... It, it, it. Their chances are it may make an appearance on Netflix with Marvel's okay. history involved. Okay. Anyways. What you haven't rated. Michigan, or Michigan. Mushrooms. We're talking mushrooms. Everybody in our audience that have been, that has been listening or paying attention to any of the episodes, be them patron or regular I'll cut episodes. to the chase. It was the most satisfying meal I've seen you eat. <laughs> Folks. But you wanted me to throw up, and I didn't throw I up. I did not want I him didn't to even, throw up. I didn't even I didn't gag. want him to throw up. I wanted just him to eat it. Oh, my God. And the best thing... Was it me? It was that his family was there alongside of us, his brothers, yeah. who have been trying to get you to eat mushrooms. For 52 years. They were there to watch it happen, and one of them was filming. Yeah. It's on Facebook, and it's on Twitter. People yeah. can, can, people can yeah. see it now. Yeah. yeah. On the Mitch Unfiltered Facebook page, or the Mitch uh, Max Movie yeah. Mogul Max Twitter page. Oh, yeah, page. I, that's it's right. On it's on, it's on your, your page as and well. And it, right. it was great. It was great to watch. He, as, to quote my dad, after he finished the mushrooms, he said... That the texture was repulsive, and it oh felt like God. he was eating a head. No, no, no. What I said was the texture was disgusting. It was vile. And they had these little... Some of the mushrooms that you made me eat from the yeah, restaurant yeah, in, yeah. in California, they had their little heads on there, the, the yeah, little heads yeah. on the mushrooms. Yep. They were so... I, That's how you eat a mushroom. <laughs> it was so... And then I, I, just, I just... When I was eating them, I was saying to myself, how does anybody... Like this, and then you took what was left over. Oh, and ate it. Yeah, it was delicious. I enjoyed it. Mushroom, oh my God. Mushroom I don't salad. know how anybody could like what God, I was. They were eating. so good. They were so. I can tell you right now, they were delicious. Okay. Did I pay my? Did I pay my debt? Yes, you did. You're clear. You're finished. Okay. Do you pay your debts? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Do I suddenly have debts? But okay. You. Ch- I challenged you. You beat yeah, me on yeah, your SATs, yeah, yeah, and I yeah, yeah. and I ate something that has disgusted me for fifty-two years, folks. Right. It's it's a moment in history. <laughs> okay, okay, All but right. yeah. I, ha- I have two. But if we're going to talk about basketball, I have two. I, I, I was going to finish. Uh, the segment has gone very, I, well, very got, long. We're already eighteen minutes into the segment. We just did. A, you guys did a fantasy segment that was forty minutes long yesterday. It was an hour and a half and three segments, and for patrons, and yes, but this is this is. I'm one not important. Segment. I got two things. I got two, at least two, if you'll let me have these two. Number one, I have a message for Scott Soden. Hotshot Scott. Yes, Hotshot Scott. I got a message, and and it's come to this. I'm sad that it's come to this, but I'm going to have to expose you. (laughs) Stop parking in front of my garage. (laughs) I can't leave the house. Hotshot doesn't want you leaving when we're doing the podcast. I see, but please, please. I had to sticky note the garage. I had to... But yeah, that's all I gotta say. Okay. But uh, I also wanted to say that uh, I wanted. Can I talk? Can we talk basketball? Do we have time? We're really out of time. I mean, this is now 19 minutes. We're going now. You can you could cut part of this and use it for another. We could double. We could it's just not double that over. good. 
It's not good enough to d- d- double to no, double no, 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 dip. No, I'm just saying we can. Just you got to get up to the microphone if you. We want can to just stop and just you can cut starting here and talk about basketball. Oh, I see. Yeah. Thanks for now producing Mitch Unfiltered. It's you're not welcome. Okay. I'll be here all day. Say what you want to say about the Basket- NBA. About the NBA. Yeah. I'm excited. Have we spoken since the Clippers made their moves? I don't. I don't think so. Which is great. I'm here as an as a fan. And ready to see the Clippers win the title. You're hearing it here right now. Really? Right now. As a fan or as a as a as both. A it makes objective sense. Onlooker. Cousins just tore his ACL. He sure did. The, the Clippers are better than the Lakers. They signed Patrick Patterson. They're going to have a, an, a, an incredible defense with Beverly Patterson. But we don't have George, Shea. Leonard. Oh we, no, we, we don't You're have right. Shea. Okay, you're so, the one who said to me right when you heard about the trade yeah. that you didn't want Shea, you didn't want them okay, to trade Okay, but you Shea. just got you just got two incredible basketball players in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Okay, I mean they're going to be they're going to be the team in okay. LA this year. Okay, I, I'm telling you right now, watch out. The Clippers are for real. Okay, and the Lakers. They're, I mean, they're good too. Let's be honest. Okay. Let's be honest. I can't okay. say anything bad about LeBron okay. and Anthony Davis, but they are not without Cousins. They are not the best team. All right, in rank Los them. Angeles. Rank the Western Conference top four. Top four: Clippers number one. Yep. Lakers number two. Really? I think I th- LeBron and AD are still LeBron and AD. Let's not. Okay. Let's not. Let's not sleep on them. Okay. I mean, they're still two top six or seven players in the league. Okay. Number three is where it gets tough. I can tell you who it's not. It's not Golden State. Okay, it's not. I mean, it, a lot of people sleep on Utah. How about Houston busy. with Westbrook now? Uh, that's no. tough. It's tough. I think the Denver Nuggets will still be the th- will be the third okay. test team in the Western okay. Conference. Third best team, yeah. And I think that that uh, in the regular season, the Utah Jazz will outperform the Houston Rockets For because four. because I think that it will take I, I don't think that Westbrook and Harden will immediately be able to work together. I think they may figure it out in time for the playoffs. Yeah. But I think during the regular season it may be the other way around. I just think that Utah's round I mean they got Mitchell, they got Conley, they got Gobert, they have Bogdanovich, they have Ed Davis, they have Joe uh, not Joe Harris, they have Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm. They they have a great team with lots of scoring all around. Something that you know. So not, Utah four in the regular season, but Houston replaces them. I think in the postseason, Houston, Houston beats them you as could the see four a, five. You could four see five. Houston usurp them in the, in the four five round, a rematch okay. of last year's playoffs. Okay, uh, is that all? I think that's all we got time for. Do you or have got, anything else interesting to say? Uh, interesting about your summer. About you want to make a college uh, a no. pro- college proclamation yet? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. What do you want to do? What do you want to say? That's interesting for the audience. Are you finished? Uh, <laughs> Besides the fact that you have the best dad in the world, what else do you want to say? We could talk about the Eastern Conference. Uh, no, I don't want to talk about the Eastern Why? Conference. How about fantasy football? Fantasy football, yes. One, when, two, and three. Uh-uh-uh. When do I get to be a part of the Mitch Unfiltered Fantasy League? Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Folks, he's scared I'm going to beat you all. He's all business. I'm going to beat everyone. One, two, and three. Give me one, two, and three uh, in the draft. I th- I play PPR. Saquon Barkley is the number one If I play PPR, no. I take McCaffrey first. McCaffrey over Barkley. I had McCaffrey last year. He did wonders for me. Okay. Thanks, Movie Mogul Max. Thank you. So there he is, my very favorite guest, Movie Mogul Max on some of the hits this summer film season. And from Movie Mogul Max to our executive producer, Steve Dion, who decided to refinance his home. Yeah, I gave uh, Jordan a buzz in uh, late July. Um, was interested to get a uh, quote on a refi. Um, just 
the way the market has been with with interest rates dropping as they have kind of tailored a, a mortgage around my preferences one of the main parts that was appealing was the fact that he was able to cut out my mortgage insurance uh, he bought that out completely um, really consolidated the loan into one clean monthly payment amortized over a shorter time horizon and at a lower rate really easy process you know working with jordan and christina there not not bad for a coog you know i i was uh hesitant to put my uh put my dollars and cents into uh, the hands of a, a wazoo grad but you know it all turned out t- turned out well th- thus far from beginning to end steve how long did it take took about a month total how long was the first phone conversation until you determined what you could save per month it's about a 15 minute call when you include the mortgage insurance how much less are you paying per month now on a percentage basis thanks to the refi with the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage? I'm paying about 8 to 10% less a month. On top of that, uh, we'll be paying for five less years. So it's kind of a win-win on both, both sides. So my line on the podcast that you're crazy not to call the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage with the low interest rates at the moment, just to find out what you could be saving in a refinance is on point. Well, it, it's valid unless you want to spend more money every month. I mean, <laughs> oh, and Mitch, one last thing. Where's my tumbler? <laughs> there it is. Stop standing on the sidelines. Guild Mortgage and the Kirkland office at 425-250-3150. You could start saving big time today. Unfiltered. Let's talk a little Pac-12 football, shall we? We have not spoken about Pac-12 football in a couple of episodes, and Yogi Roth is on the Zeke's Pizza hotline of the Pac-12 network. He's been making the rounds. And, Yogi, you think my first question is going to involve Washington or Washington State or Oregon or Utah. But what I want to know, what I really want to know is, what's it like getting married in Bali, for goodness sakes? (laughs) Well, it's – not probably as dramatic as college football season, which is a good thing, um, but it was magical. And, and I was a mess, that's for sure. I was definitely as dramatic as I've ever been. But it was beautiful. Appreciate you asking. Um, I don't know how much you know about Bali, but I learned this when I was there, that there's 17,000 Indonesian islands, and only one of them is Hindu, and that's Bali. Uh-huh. And regardless of what the belief is, whether it's Hindu or Christianity or Judaism, to me, being one of 17,000 was really special because every other island is Muslim. Yeah. So it was really cool to be and feel the spirituality of the place and surf my face off and have all of our families blend and, and get married to the love of my life. So it was, it was amazing. And I didn't miss anything. I didn't look at uh, Twitter for a month and I didn't miss <laughs> one thing. So it was pretty good. I want to know how many guests a highfalutin Pac-12 guy like Yogi Roth can have when he goes all the way to Bali to have his wedding. That's what I want to know. You know, I didn't think anybody was going to come. You know, we kind of threw out some <laughs> passive invites. Like, yeah, you know, like you'd be mad if I didn't invite you, so I might as well just invite you. And uh, we had 50 people show up. Wow. Uh, which, yeah, now, majority were hers because her crew <laughs> travels, and she's born in Korea. She's got family over there, so it's a shorter flight than coming from the from, from the U.S. But, yeah, our friends showed up for us, and we made it worth it. Every night we were in the pool at 2, 3 in the morning looking up at the stars, just – 
talking about life and exploring I think everything about each other and what was really fun is everybody who left our wedding we tried to really celebrate everyone that was there seven couples and everyone on the honeymoon that came a couple anniversaries and I think everybody walked out and kind of got to reevaluate love yeah. in whatever level they were at and, and that was a big goal for us to not just make it about us we knew why people were coming but to make it inclusive that's beautiful congratulations Yogi Roth on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline of the Pac-12 Network alright let me get a couple of Pac-12 football questions and before you know it we're going to be playing for real should I be more pissed as a Pac-12 fan that there are no top 12 Pac-12 teams in the coaches poll or should I be more satisfied that five of the next 12 are Pac-12 schools I think a little bit of both you know to be honest um, you know I think the the first part of it, if you're frustrated or bothered by it, um, I think one person on you know in the southeast would say we got to win big bowl games, and that's fair. You know, when you look at how the Rose Bowl ended last year, the Cotton Bowl the year before, the Fiesta Bowl the year before, like those are fair arguments. Uh, and on the flip side, I'd say you know the other conference, specifically the SEC, and I would say the same thing for the Big Ten and the ACC. Is a lot of those conferences I think um, get so much hype based on the people at the top. You know, I think the mid-tier teams in those conferences, you know, just generally by the general public, not even the CFP committee, but overall, you know, people that are voting. And, and, you know, if you know the people that vote, everybody doesn't necessarily have every team dialed in. You know, they cover their area, their region, or they broad breath everybody, a broad stroke everybody. So I think when you look at that, you say, you know, you really know that a team like Cal, one of the best defenses in the country last year, beat you to split with Wazoo the last two years. You know, has played well against Stanford. Like you don't, you know, you don't really pay attention to that, and that's fair. Um, but you probably also don't recognize that Washington State and what they did. You know, for them to fall like they did last year to me, I was pissed about that. Based on the SC game, based on the weather, UW for them to fall like they did in the last week of the season it was just ignorance. I thought by a lot of the people that vote. So I think it's a little bit of both. I've got to win games. A recognition that there are a bunch of talented teams. Um, but the reality that no one's been dominant like Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and you could probably throw Georgia in there as well. Do you think there's a PR issue in terms of start times of these games? I know some late ones really irk a lot of people in the Pac-12, the 7 p.m. games that are 10 p.m. on the East Coast. I know that the Pac-12 commissioner is looking at 9 a.m. start time games. I don't know if that's going to work. Who wants to go to a football game at 9 in the morning? Is there an issue? Is there is there an answer? to the uh, start times of these Pac-12 games, Yogi? Yeah, I think it's a fun topic to bounce around. Like, you know, just to get through the 9 a.m. thing, like, it was really interesting because it was just an offhanded comment. You know, it wasn't even like a presentation to the staffs or anything like that at the athletic department. And then she caught fire. Uh, and I think the one thing that got missed was that no athletic department or coach is going to be strong-armed in doing anything. So will we see 9 a.m. Pacific games? Maybe in Colorado and Utah and Arizona schools when the time changes, you know, so 10 a.m. their time. We already play 11 a.m. To me, it's I would do it if with teams that practice early. They're accustomed to getting up and getting going, and the circadian rhythms are already set up like that. Um, so, so I think that. I think regarding the times in general, I think it's kind of BS, to be quite honest with you. Of Like, are the times of games hurting the conference? Like, you know, when the games are great, they're trending, right? pac after dark is the coolest thing going. You know, so I think it's all about, like, big picture, is there a team in the CFP? No. And then it's just, okay, take shots. Right. And I think that's right. kind of how it's been. Like, if you look at four years ago, 
three years ago, even four years, three, four, five years ago, nobody's complaining necessarily. But when teams all of a sudden are going to the playoffs and you're kind of looking for things to say, the brand is dropping, the respect is dropping, all things that are very fair for a general fan to think or somebody covering the sport on the opposite coast. But I think if you're in it, it doesn't feel that different. And I always go back to a night in Pullman. You know, if USC, think about it, if USC beats Washington State that night in Pullman, and instead of going to the Fiesta, they or instead of going to the Cotton Bowl, they go to the CFP. It's a different world. Right? It's, a different, it's, a different, it's a different world, you know, because now it's not as many seasons in a row without a college football playoff. Now it's not as dramatic in terms of the shots they get at the conference. So it's sad, and I, I, I don't really like the argument you just got to win, but I think you got to win some of the games to just turn the tide a little bit, and the teams know that, the coaches know that, and I think it's going to happen. I think week one, week two, week three in the conference and non-con games is, is not only big, but they're great games, like yeah. throwback, whether it's Colorado-Nebraska or Auburn and, and Oregon. Yeah, well, that's where I was going next. The Oregon-Auburn game is the one that's on my sheet here. How important is it? Unfair how important now these games are to the Pac-12 with the reputation. It is what it is, whether we like it or not. Now you turn around and you have some of these early games that you just mentioned. I mean, how important is it for the entire Pac-12 that Oregon shows well when they face Auburn in the first game of the season? Oh, it's really important. You know, they got to show up, you know, and it can't be an ugly game. I think starting there, right, it can't be a – you know, 12-10 game, you know, or one of those, just what's going on. We've seen some of those in bowl games in the past. Uh, but I don't think it has the enormity of last year in UW and Auburn. You know, UW's coming off of you know, basically representing the West Coast right? and Chris Peterson, et cetera. Oregon is still in pseudo-rebuild mode. You know, I know they're the sexy and the trendy pick, uh, but they've got a brutal schedule in terms of where they got to go this year. I think if people really study them, um, you don't think they're going to get through the season undefeated just based on – the way their schedule's laid out and going to, um, you know, going to UW right. on UW's homecoming, going to USC, Auburn's a relative road game. I mean, every month, they got to go to Stanford. Every month, it's brutal. Uh, but it's also a Heisman campaign opportunity for Justin Herbert. So I don't think they carry the weight of the conference like Washington did. But when they lost, you know, you look back in revisionist history, this thing, and it really did kind of end a lot of people's desire to, pay attention to the conference, right? not their responsibility, their desire. And, that, and I've got major issues with that. People like yourself who have platforms, like it's the job to cover the conference and celebrate and talk about the truths of it. So I think they got to win. I think Stanford's got to win. Um, you, you, SC's got to beat Fresno because I don't think the, the most challenging part of this conference is recognized. And that's nine conference games and playing teams that know you. You know, when you look at some of the stability for some of these teams in this conference, or even where the assistants came from, this is Justin Wilcox, coach for Chris Peterson, you know, coach with Clay Helton. Like, there's a lot of similarities. We surprised they were two of Cal's wins last year. You know, not really, but nobody's really thinking that in terms of top line story. So I, I think you got to win the early games so people can look at that nine game conference schedule and say, yeah, you know, it actually is brutal because Colorado's got the best player in the conference. And I think a top 15 pick in LaVisca Chennault. And a lot of people may not recognize that, but they're going to have to, you know, at least compete in the Nebraska game and maybe win it again this year like last year. So eyeballs around the country did what they did a year ago, and LaVisca was all of a sudden a Heisman candidate in mid-October. Yogi Roth is our guest on the Pac-12, from the Pac-12 Network. You mentioned the homecoming October the 19th, and when I look at what the preseason 
the preseason polls in the Pac-12, at least the Pac-12 preseason uh, coaches' polls or whatever they call them. Uh, October the 19th, it seems that Oregon and, and Washington were separated by one preseason vote. When I look at those two teams, I think Washington is a deeper team. Obviously, Oregon's got the quarterback that's on display. Uh, and I know that Washington has Utah here the following game. Are those three games, you know, think about those games, those two games in particular, Oregon-Washington and then Utah here at Washington. Are those games the, the key games in the conference, do you think? They're definitely two of them, that's for sure. Uh, I think, you know, when I look at Oregon, you know, they've got all the tools, right? They have the dude you referenced at quarterback and Justin Herbert. I talked to a couple scouts in training camp, and one in particular is like, he, he's a no-brainer, number one draft pick. Like, this is what we look for. You look at their offensive line, and they're not just a good old line, but they move people. You know, they're going to they're gonna be able to control games. And by that date in October, their receiving core, which I think is one of the best freshman receiving groups I've ever seen in this conference in the last 15 years come together, they're going to have played five or six games or whatever it is by then. So their young guys are going to be older. Um, and you'd say the same thing for UW regarding the quarterback, regarding their defensive line. But that's going to be the big thing to me. Like, we'll talk about – you know, whether Jake Hayner or Jacob Eason versus, you know, Jacob Eason's pseudo-clone, Justin Herbert or vice versa, however you want to look at it. I mean, they look like twins, you know, in a short shoulder pads and a helmet. Uh, but it's going to be up front. And that's going to be the fun part of that game. It's going to be Savon Ahmed. It's going to be Travis Dye, C.J. Verdell. And that's going to be, to me, where we are today, just coming off the practice field watching UW, you know, only an hour ago or so. Um, I think that's where they are today, and that's how I would project it out. It's going to be one of those types of games. And then Utah UW, I think, you know, we could potentially see that as a rematch in the Pac-12, in the Pac-12 final. That's, that's, that's what I picked in the preseason, just based on uh, UW's schedule. Okay. You know, who they miss, yep. who they have at home. Right. I think they got an easier road. Utah-Washington Utah, in the Pac-12 final, did you say? Yeah, that, that's my preseason pick. Yeah. And they play each other uh, the last week of October, first week of November. You were at Washington's practice. Do you believe that it's a close call at quarterback, or do you think that Easton's going to start? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think it, you know, Utah fans and Wazoo fans don't like to get talked about, I know, very often regularly together, but very similar. You know, last night I was watching Washington State and Anthony Gordon engaged the brood. And then this afternoon was able to watch Jake Hayner, Jacob Beeson, as you referenced. There's times, and, and look, all I get is a two-hour snippet. You know, I haven't watched every snap of these guys in spring and fall and play run practices. I don't know what they're like in the locker room. But I can say this with certainty that I felt in both programs, any of those four names could be the starter, and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I don't think it's a matter of one guy's playing poorly, one guy's playing out of his mind. I thought in the last 24 hours, both of those places, there were drives I watched that that's the dude. Then the next drive, I was like, that's the dude. It was the other quarterback. And I feel the same thing. You know, so that's why it's so fun for coaches. And we asked Chris Peterson this in the uh, media day, TV show on the Pac-12 Network. How much fun do you get as a head coach to be able to choose a quarterback? And it's a lot of fun because you only get to do it. If you think about the average shelf life of a head coach, let's just call it five years average. Chris Peterson will be there as long as he wants. But this is the second time he's been able to name a quarterback ever, you know, at UW. Like, that's just a long time. Who's so he going to name? I think it's really fun for Who's, who's he going to name? Know. Take a shot. I, I, I can't. I really have no idea. 
It was, that, it was that, at least for my naked eye, it was that even. And I thought even the other guys played well, to be honest. I mean, I know they're on the mix, but, uh, you know, Dylan Morris is ahead of the curve. He's ahead of any of those guys when they were freshmen. Um, so I, don't, I, 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 I want to get off the fence, man, but I couldn't make a prediction based on what I saw because I thought both guys had moments where you said, yep, I could see you starting. And I'm calling week one. I wish I could know who it was right now just to prepare for the game. But I don't know. I think I'll shake out another – probably five days or so, to be quite honest with you, because they got another scrimmage, I think, in the middle of the week. I think when you were single, you would have taken a shot. You would have made a prediction. But now that you're a married man, you're riding the fence. That's what I think is going on here. I, I, I think I go, you know, I go the other way. I think now that I'm married, I've got, like, more guts. I'm like, screw it. I don't even press anybody. I got my wife. I'm rolling. But I wish I could, man. I really do. I want to, but I don't know. We're marking you down for Utah and Washington in the championship game, the Pac-12 championship game. By the way, did I read where it's going to be in Vegas starting next year? Not this year, but next year, the Pac-12 championship game moves to the new Vegas stadium. Is that right? Oh, yeah. It's going to be epic, man. Oh, I can't wait. God. Oh, my it's God. It's so fun. Uh, oh, my God. Thanks for joining us, Yogi. Thanks very much, and congratulations on the nuptials. You got it, bro. Thanks for having me on anytime. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 network commentator. He says, Washington versus Utah. In the Pac-12 championship game, a rematch of their early November game. We'll see if it comes through. By the way, that'll be the last game, the last Pac-12 championship game in Santa Clara for a while because they're moving over to Las Vegas to the new Raiders home. How about that? How about a trip to Las Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game starting in 2020? I'm just thrilled to have a new partner for the football season. Fireside Home Solutions with six showrooms from Seattle down to Portland makes it possible for us to connect with New Heisel and King and Brady Henderson on the Hawks and Lock and Four. List goes on and on. Football season is also fireplace season. How many of you would love to either add a fireplace to your home or change out your crappy one for a new sleek model? I'm telling you, it's more affordable and efficient than ever at Fireside Home Solutions. Just let these guys come to your home for a free consultation and you might just be surprised with their solution or take a stroll into one of their showrooms. I couldn't believe the assortment when I was at the Bellevue location the other day. Old fireplaces waste tons of energy and Fireside Home Solutions really simplify the process. They also do outdoor barbecue setups and garage doors. Check them out on the website, firesidehomesolutions.com. Unfiltered. All right, a week ago right now, Hotshot Scott, I said to you, I know you're not a golf fan. Please don't make it. Just because it's a former golfer, Ken Green, listen to the interview and see what you think because it's really not a golf interview. It's just a story about a guy who's had ups and downs and a ton of downs and a ton of unfortunate things, horrific things that have happened in his life, and yet he's still kind of standing and fighting and trying to get through it all. You promised me that you would listen to the Ken Green interview, even though you don't love golf. Mm -hmm. What'd you think? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. But it, you're right. It wasn't a golf interview. That's probably why I loved it. You guys weren't breaking down a course or, no, you no. know. He did call Nick Faldo an asshole, I think. Which I thought was very transparent <laughs> of him. <laughs> That's why I don't understand why he's not on, like, somebody's TV network doing right. doing golf. I mean, one thing I just loved about him was that I, I guess now during, in 2019, I love truth tellers. People who just don't care. Just come out. That and are unfiltered. 
Yeah, totally. You like there unfiltered. You go. Unfiltered. I love yeah, it. Yeah. And he felt he seems like that guy. How is I swear to you, if you told me he got on a, a golf broadcast, I would watch. I, I have to hear him. I want to hear what he has to say. He jumped in the water and fought a gator over his dog. It's crazy. I mean, he's arguably lived the craziest life of any human. I mean, short of like the Rolling Stones or people like that. It's wild what he's gone All right, through. So you give it a, a thumbs up. It was up. great, yes. Okay. okay. Um, let's see here. The Washington Huskies playing college basketball overseas, and Husky fans are going crazy, are panicking. They're, 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 they're edging themselves to the ledge because they're prized freshmen from Federal Way who picked them over everybody else, yep. Jay McDaniels, didn't make the trip for personal reasons to like Italy or wherever they are playing overseas basketball in August. And everybody is now convinced, <laughs> oh my God, is he failing out of school? Well, they haven't started school yet. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's uh, true. Woo. Uh, Cross that one off the is list. He, is he is he decided <laughs> to go to Kentucky? Is he going to go right. play for Kentucky? Is he leaving? This is a terrible sign. This is a terrible sign. So jaded. Now, I guess I am. I'm leaving myself out there if we find out that Jaden right. McDaniel's has left school and he's going. But I just think there's a little bit of an overreaction amongst Husky fans for him not making the trip with his team to handle a personal matter in federal way, Washington. For all we know, a relative passed away, right? We that don't that know. would be a personal I matter that he'd have Will to Will Conroy, for. an assistant, apparently is not on the trip either. He's with Jaden McDaniels, helping him through this personal situation. At least that's what I, that's what I okay. read. I may not be right about that. But I think that everybody should just pause... <laughs> This goes back to uh, the guy, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, the really top-notch Portland recruit. I'm just drawing a blank. He played in the NBA for the Houston Rockets. I can pay. Terrence Williams. Remember the name Terrence Williams? Yeah, it does sound familiar. Terrence Williams was coming to Washington, coming to Washington, coming to Washington, declared he's coming to Washington, and then Calipari called. Yeah, that's right. And he changed to Kentucky. Yeah. But there was another one, too, before that. Uh, somebody, I'm sure that there were others. Yeah, someone did it to Romar. He was a huge recruit. He's coming. He came with... Um, Spencer Hawes, I think, at the same time. Martel Webster. Martel Webster. Well, he didn't go anywhere. He, he went was, pro. Yeah, he went. <laughs> <laughs> didn't go anywhere. Sure he did. He went pro. Well, at least he didn't go to some other college right. that was recruited. He didn't go to Washington. People are just jumping off. Husky fans are jumping off the bridge at Jaden McDaniels. Oh, so I, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Here's here, And this is not, this is not hearsay. I'm going to give you, like, my information. Okay. I told you this. And I've also, I've even, I've even posted the video, so it's there for everybody to see. A week ago, my son went to the Mike Hopkins or the universe, the Mike Hopkins basketball camp without Mike Hopkins. Right. No, he was there at the end. But the, 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 the Washington basketball camp at Heck Ed, he went there for five days, my kid. And one of the days or two of the days, I went to watch my kid play or at the end to pick him up. Mm -hmm. And I saw with my own eyes, I spied with my little eyes, yeah. Jaden McDaniels at Heck Ed, Shooting shots for the Huskies. And he was and making I, some, at least. Not many. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he didn't want to make the chip because that's the personal matter. He can't make a shot. He's learning how to no. shoot. But I'm just telling you, yeah. he was there. He was smiling. He took a picture with my son. I have a oh, picture cool. of my son. Now, I posted video, not of my son, but I posted video yeah. on the Facebook, on the Mitch Unfiltered Facebook page and on Twitter of Jaden McDaniel shooting jump shots at heck. It's the first time I've ever seen Jaden McDaniel shoot. Yeah. I've just seen still shots. I never saw Federal Way play. So at least as of <laughs> seven days ago, he was still a member of the University yeah. of Washington. A lot of things can happen in seven days when you're yeah. 18 or 19. And then after that, last week I spent the week in L.A. 
And I did something that's going to surprise you for the first while. I did two things, one of which everybody's been waiting for me to do. The other, nobody knows. The first thing that nobody cares about is I went to Dodger Stadium for the first time. I had never been to Dodger Stadium. Did you have a Dodger dog? No. I heard they're awful. No. no. Okay. I was just curious. I went to Chavez Ravine. Ravine, yeah. Vin Scully, Dodger history, yep. up in the hills with the with the, uh, the the scenic with the seventy sixth ball going around and around seventy sixth gas station ball going yeah. around and around in center field or right center field. I went to Chavez Ravine That's and great. I just loved it. Did I you can, really? And I can't believe as a baseball fan that yeah. I've never been there. I don't know why I've never been there. I've just never been there. And I've been to L.A. a million and six times. Just never thought we went. A bunch of my family went down there for my mom's birthday. She decided, yeah, I live in Florida, but I want to be in L.A. on my 85th birthday, and I want everybody to come. So we all went, and we all decided to go to the Dodger. We left her and went to, <laughs> and went to Dodger, Dodger Stadium on the side. So I went to my first Dodger. Is that where Kirk Gibson hit his shot? Or was oh, that sure. On? Yeah, there's oh, been yeah. some good memories yeah. in that. Don that Drysdale. Place. Oh, there you go. There you go. Sandy Koufax. <laughs> Fernando yeah. bounds away, oh, looking up, and then pitching. Yeah, he was God. good. That's Fernando cool. Mania. Yeah. He even made Rain Man. Did you ever see Rain Man? Yes. Uh, Fernando doesn't pitch today. He pitches on Friday. <laughs> definitely on Friday. Five days of rest. Five, fr- definitely on Friday. Uh, so I was at Dodgers. And the other thing I did, I, I don't know that you were part of the – I think you were part of the podcast then, is I made a – I made a, my, my son who was taking the S junior in high school, yeah. about to be a senior. Yeah, I was here. Yeah, So yeah. you know the story. But real quick before we get into that, yeah. um, did Mike Leach really throw out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium? Did you tweet that or did I was I dreaming that? Um, he didn't throw out the first pitch because the Dodgers batted in the bottom of the first, <laughs> but he was on, he's on the national, he's on the Diamondbacks now. They traded him to the Diamondbacks. He was pitching for the, I don't know, the, the first pitch, what do you mean, like the ceremonial first pitch? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I saw it on Twitter. I thought you said Mike Leach, the coach of the Cougars. Oh, no, no, Mike, Mike Leach. Mike Leach. <laughs> There's too much information coming in my life. I can't keep track of everything. Mike Leach is going to be on Hard Knocks College Football on HBO. <laughs> Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. But I thought, what is he doing throwing out the Did first? Did you ever go look at the um, the um, belly flop that I told oh, you? Oh, yeah, was a- that I saw. That was all. Yeah, Did you agree that yeah, he picked he up the right leg? Totally bailed. He bailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally bailed. Yeah. No, right. no, Mike Leach. Gotcha now. It makes more sense. Mike, Mike Leach. Dodger Mike, fans care about Mike Leach. Mike Leach. Gotcha, gotcha. Was the pitcher. I'm yeah. like, we get to the Dodger State. I'm like, to my son, who's pitching today? <laughs> Who do you get to see? Now, he did get his chance to see the guy who's going to win the Cy Young in the National League, this Dodger guy, Ryu, or whatever his name, 1.65 ERA. Oh, wow. He's going to win. So we got we got lucky there. But when my when my son says, uh, let me see who's play, p- pitching for the uh, the Diamond, Mike Leak is pitching. I'm like, oh, I came all the way. <laughs> really? Really, right, I so came all the way to L.A. Yeah, to right. Dodgers Stadium. And you Stadium. get Mike Lee. That's what I get. All right, yeah. anyway, back to your other story about the the bet. Yeah. It wasn't much. I guess it was a bet. It was a challenge. Yeah. For the people that are listening right now that are new to the podcast or what have you, my son's going to be a senior in high school. He was taking the SATs many months ago, and he said, he asked me what he has to get for me to eat mushrooms. Now, mushrooms and me do not mix. And stop with your picky eater things. There's a lot of people who don't like mushrooms. I've ne- I've always been kind of I've ca- nauseated by even the looks of mushrooms. I'm the type of guy who will ask in restaurants, in meals that you wouldn't think would have mushrooms, I'll ask any mushrooms yeah. just to make sure. This is how much I detest of mushrooms. I can't even look at them. Yeah, you were asking the guy at 7-Eleven if they're in the Slurpees. Like, I thought That's that was right. a little over the top. <laughs> that was a little. I didn't think that was necessary. But... When he said yes, that was really a shocker. <laughs> 
Uh, that was the one I got. I liked yeah. it. And um, so, just so people know, it, it, some people don't like certain foods, but they could eat it if they had to. You, oh no, 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 no. There's a lot of is, those foods. Yeah, that's not the case with you no, and no, mushrooms. No, no. Yeah, no, no. This is like pulling a turd out of the cat box right. <laughs> for most people. If I, if I see it on my plate, I will not eat around it. <laughs> right. Exactly. I will yeah. send the plate back. Yeah. So it's high and stakes. I will, and I will tell waiters and waitresses that I'm highly allergic, even though I'm not, yeah. and that I could die. Right. If I eat one. <laughs> So I, I just don't eat mushrooms. Oh, and he wanted me to give him a target score that would allow – and he wanted he, – they eat mushrooms. He eats mushrooms. My other son eats mushrooms. My, my, my brothers have been teasing me. Everybody's been teasing me for God knows how long. Yeah, most adults like them. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think most adults 51% maybe. But I think no. it's a very contro- – yeah, it's a controversial food. Okay. It's anyway. very, very controversial. He got the score. <sighs> Crazy. He got the score, and I have to eat. And so it happened. I put the video up again on the on our Mitch Unfiltered face. Have you seen the video? I saw half of it. It kind of grossed me out, to be honest with you. You looked like you were going to die. Like I almost... No, it didn't. I thought I did a good job at disguising it. No. What? That was a disguise? <laughs> you looked like you were in hell. I was. I mean, it he was gave... awful. So we're at a restaurant in Los Angeles. Yeah, explain and, this. It, well, he, he decided that... That my brothers, my two older brothers, would love to see me yeah. eat mushrooms. That's so a he, smart idea. He wanted me to have to do it in front of every my mother. Yeah, yeah. My bro- so he waited <laughs> to Los Angeles when all of us were together. Yeah, and we were at a Japanese restaurant. We were okay. at a sushi restaurant. And I see him whispering to the waiter. There's like, I don't know, 10 of us on a table, 12 yeah. of us at a table. And I see him whispering to a waiter. And I'm like, what are you whispering? And he's like, tonight's the night. He never told me. Oh, I thought you had this all planned out. No, no. He said, tonight's the night. He just sprung it on you. Sprung it on me. <laughs> wow. And Evil. I said, what's tonight? He said, tonight's the night. I knew exactly, and I started yeah. to like get all queasy <laughs> uh, just from the thought of it. it. And they brought me out. They brought me out these, mu- and there were all kinds in there. There were shiitake, oh, yeah. the, the little mushrooms with the heads on them. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. They're what? disgusting. <laughs> Look at you. you what are you... Uh, so were they cooked at least? They were cooked like with olive oil or something. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah. they were they were not raw. All right. Uh, I think you're better off cooked. They were sm- they were mushy. Yeah, and slimy. Were, and, oh, yeah, yeah, the little heads. <laughs> and I I took the first couple of forkfuls and I was like, okay, I can do this. And then for whatever reason, I felt gags coming. Ugh. And if you watch real closely to the video, it's again, it's on the Facebook or on the Twitter page, Mitch Unfiltered Facebook page, if you want to go. If you see the video, uh, you'll see me kind of. It was hard to watch. I know. I was like, uh, did you notice it? I, I, I thought so. I, I was apps. It was the most. I, and I know that your mind plays tricks on you. Yeah, a little. Yeah, a little bit of that. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that it was it was all played out. of my, They were disgusting. Absolutely. I will never. I am now. I thought perhaps that after 52 years that I'd eat them and I'd go, okay, they were bad. But now if they're on my plate, I'll eat around them now. And I I won't feel the need to be as as dramatic as I am over mushrooms. I'm going to be more dramatic now. It's worse now. It's worse now. (laughs) They were worse than I thought. They were No way. They were disgusting. Not disgusting. It was disgusting. I was I was just grossed out eating them. The thank texture. God he let he, everything about him, mushy texture, everything right. about him. And thank God he let me have water. I was washing them down with the water. Yeah, that was key. The water I would I think I would have thrown up if it weren't God. for the water. So 
I saw you chasing them around your plate, and I was like, "Oh, this uh, poor and they guy." Weren't get, they weren't even going on the fourth. I know it was well. like you had to like They're work to get them. It was oh, just God. yeah. Well, you're a big man for paying it off. There you go. Yeah, a lot yeah. of dads would have bailed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, kid. Yeah. I'm paying for college. I ain't eating no mushrooms. Yeah. You know, I, I meant what I said. Did you know that Mike Leach is on? Yeah, what, Washington State. Explain that. They're having a hard knocks for college? Uh, yeah, the, the rumor is that HBO has been making the rounds, and they're going to do uh, – they're not going to do it right away. They're going to do it, I think, in the offseason, but they're going to trail four college football teams as opposed to one NFL team for the college version of hard yeah. knocks. And I think it's going to be Penn State, Alabama. I, ca- I can't believe that Nick Saban <laughs> would allow this to happen. I, I, I'm actually I'm in disbelief. I, I, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it that Alabama signed off on the on the college version of Hard Knocks. But I'm hearing it's Alabama, Penn State, Arizona State, which makes sense. It's Herm Edwards. You got to play. You oh, got yeah. to play to win the game. <laughs> right. I mean, he's looking for cameras. Like he's looking, got a million. Bring some cameras, yeah. man. He wants he wants cameras. He's the king of the platitudes. And then Mike Leach makes total sense. Yeah, right? Mike Leach makes sense. But Washington State. Yeah. You said they're going to follow in the off season. What do you mean by that? No, I think that the shows are going to come out in the offseason. Oh, I think I the see. cameras are there now. Gotcha. They're filming now. And then yeah, we'll I, see saw, it. I saw a clip of him after <laughs> practice just the other day say, you know, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. And then we go out to, to run a couple of plays and there's cameras all over the place. Yeah. And I was telling my quarterbacks, and my, just forget the cameras are there. You got to be able to ignore yeah. the distraction. So I think they're already filming. Washington State and these other schools, Penn State and so forth. And then you're going to see, they're going to put the shows together and you'll see it, I think, either towards the end of the football season or after the football season's over. And it's HBO, you said. Or do you know? I think it is HBO. It's great. Yeah. They'll do a great job. Yeah. Do you know the name Jack Whitaker? I know of the name, yes. I mean, I've, I saw that he passed away on, on Sunday, Twitter, 95-year-old yeah. Jack Whitaker. And I'm not sure what percentage of our audience would remember Jack Whitaker. Um, I remember Jack Whitaker. Jack Whitaker was like one of the one of the great sportscasters of all time. Hmm. He was like Mr. CBS and did it all, golf and football and Super Bowls and horse racing. I mean, you name oh, okay. it. Jack Whitaker was the man. He was on CBS for 25 years. He was on ABC. He was like the preeminent. He was like, I don't know, Jim Nance before Jim Nance. Uh, that's not even a good uh, because like they were different back then. Dick Enberg, maybe even or? before that, okay. and, and kind of different than that. He was he just rose above all. He was like a he was like a godlike sportscaster, okay. and did everything from golf to auto everything. There was not one sport. You know, we're more specialized now. You right. see the guys that do now. There are a few guys like Jim Nance will do two or three sports. When I say Jack Whitaker did every sport, Olympics, wide world of sports, oh, wow. boxing, wide world of sports. It doesn't it didn't matter what it was. It could have been it could have been soccer, he did it all. We're Jack live from Whitaker. the cliffs on Maui where and cliff when jumping is and, happening. And when you're 52, uh, even a little older, like if you would like for Jim Nance, Jack Whitaker was like the guy. Hmm. And I actually had a chance to work with Jack Whitaker. Really? I actually have a Jack Whitaker story. While he was still like active? Well, he was or? towards the end. It okay. was 1995, so he's 95. So 1995 was my first year out here. Let's say five. He's 71. He's 71 years old. Yeah. Okay? So towards the end. And I'm I'm doing the midday show out in, I just had moved to Seattle. So it's, yeah, well, I moved to Seattle in January 95. So it's eight months later. In August of 1995, I got a call 
from a kind of a fledgling radio company who had been given the rights to broadcast nationally play-by-play, radio play-by-play of golf. Huh. Which you hadn't really heard and you yeah. really still haven't. Right. Golf's not really a radio thing. Yeah. And, and they are going to do the PGA Championship at a golf course in Los Angeles, Riviera, famous golf course, the fourth of the, fi- the final major of 1995. They have the rights to do the national broadcast. It's going to be on all these stations, including KJR. I used to be on the radio, by the way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be on like 150 or whatever stations, and they're going to have a group, a host, and an analyst, and then they're going to have young people out on the golf course calling the action. Okay. And they offered me a job. Oh, wow. To come to Los Angeles and be part of the national broadcast. And the first thing they said to me was, Jack Whitaker is our anchor. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. How do you say no to that, right? Well, you know, I had to negotiate. I had to pretend to negotiate. Like, I, <laughs> like I would have paid them to do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and I, I flew to Los Angeles for the four days. And then we went on during wow. the Saturdays and Sundays. And he was the host. And I was one of the golf guys on the course so did you just have like a hole no how- i followed groups yeah I, mostly i followed okay. a group and, and jack whitaker would say let's go down to mitch levy at 16 i was like and i i, I was like parallels <laughs> paralyzed hearing jack whitaker say let's right. go down to mitch levy say like, oh i gotta talk now yeah and so this happened on saturday we were on a whole bunch of stations a couple hours uh and then on sunday for the final round uh Late in the final round, the guy who ended up winning it was not a big name. People in golf would know the name. Steve Elkington. You wouldn't know the name Steve Elkington. Of course I remember Steve Elkington. No, you don't remember Steve I, was, I started Why? in the golf league in like 97. <laughs> oh, that's right. You were in the golf league. So yeah, you would yeah. know Steve Elkington. Of course I remember who Steve had, Who was infamously known as the man who was allergic to grass playing golf. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and he would, he would win it at Riviera. But the producer says to me, and they, we didn't even plan this before the, the show went on. The producer says in my ear with about 30 minutes, 30 minutes to go in the final round. He says, Mitch, I'm giving you the interview. You're doing the interview on the 18th green with the champion. And you knew golf well enough at the time, though, where you could do I'm it. I'm 28 but, years old, yeah. but I'm, I, just, I, I start, I'm like, you're giving me the interview? Why doesn't Jack Whitaker come <laughs> right. down and do the interview? Yeah. No, Jack's going to do it. Jack's going to be in our, in our booth, and he's going to throw it down to you. And after Gary McCord does it for CBS – you're then you're on live the the, the champions Jeez. with you on all the stations live and you feel like do the- sweat going down your back all of a sudden like that's oh right my God. that's right and <laughs> I, I I start to freak about it there's still a couple of holes left I, yeah. I'm I'm nervous thinking about what I'm gonna do yeah and Steve Elkington wins it he beats Colin Montgomery beats some Ernie Els and he he puts out on 18 and and a throng of of photographers newspaper photographers when there were newspaper there were actually newspapers back then I remember those yeah newspaper photographers go running out and the the CBS camera and Gary McCord's in it and so we're so, if you can picture this Steve Elkington has won the PGA Championship there's probably 150 photographers Jeez. with huge lenses and right. and then in the little middle is me there I am with my microphone and my little pack I have this like pack yeah. uh, to go on live and there's the CBS camera and Gary McCord and Steve Elkington. That's it. Well, Steve Elkington finished his interview with Gary McCord, and I hear in my ear, all right, this is Jack Whitaker. Jack Whitaker says, let's go down. Our own Mitch Levy has the champion. And, and I'm on. Yeah. Just as I'm about to ask my first question. Do you remember what it was? No. Okay. 
some guy with the biggest telescopic lens in the world has decided he's he's had enough. He's already taken enough pictures, and he swings around to leave, and he hits me upside the head, <laughs> <laughs> like out of a Three Stooges or something, <laughs> with one of these huge. Oh yeah, they're and he enormous. gets me right in the temple. Oh my gosh, he could have gone down. I, did you go down? I didn't go. I went. My knees buckled. Oh my gosh! When I tell you, I had no idea who I was. I'm on live. I'm on live radio. I have no idea. I've just been hit oh upside the head, gosh. and I mean hard. And if you go back, I have the tape somewhere. If you go back and listen to it, you can actually hear. Let's go down now to Mitch Levy. He's got the champion. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, the 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 lens hitting me right in the right temple. Yeah, that's that's dangerous. In My the temple. Fr- I sound. The first few questions are like, uh, "How does it feel?" <laughs> yeah. I like like I feel like like. I, I don't know, like a box, like you would have felt against Joe Hill. Yeah, right. This it was is a little out of it, and and, uh, and that's my that's my dealing with Jack. But Jack, what Jack Whitaker said, and Jack had to be sitting there going, "What's wrong with Mitch? Is something right. wrong with Mitch?" I just got just wonder, crushed. How long did it take after you got hit to then ask a question? I mean, it must have taken a while. If you no, go down. I asked a question, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay, <laughs> and I think Steve, I think Steve Elking. They actually, there's a PS to this story. I don't know that Steve Elking thought he was dealing with a real the sharpest uh, the sharpest bowling ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, the truth of the matter is, the P.S. to this story, which is kind of cute, is the following day, the Monday in August 1995, Freddie Couples was having his his celebrity golf tournament. He used to have, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. He used to have an, an annual where a lot of golfers from around the world would come in and play right. an ex, a two-round exhibition kind of tournament, and it was at Overlake Country Club okay. the following day. And I was doing the midday show, and KJR used to I used to do radio. Hmm. KJR had me set up on the first tee doing our midday show at Overlake the following day. And guess who stayed true to his commitment to Fred to come play? Steve Elkington. Steve Elkington. <laughs> so Steve God. Steve Elkington wins the PGA on Sunday, probably stays up all night drinking. Partying, yeah. Drinking out of the Wanamaker trophy, yeah. whatever it is. He gets on a plane and <laughs> probably without sleeping and just Shows up at Overlake Country Club the following morning and sets the tee off. And who do they bring over on the midday show for the interview before he tees off? And he's looking at me like, <laughs> I feel like I just saw you. You can't. This can't be right. What are you? And doing? I, I kind of think he said, "Are you okay, mate?" Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> something, something like that. That's anyway, awesome. You have anything before we uh, before we name the show? You have anything? Have you started watching Hard Knocks? Speaking of Hard Knocks, no. I know you and I both said we need to watch no, it. I have not watched an episode. I, I don't even know when to wa- when do what I watch it or would I watch it on demand? Yeah, just on demand. Okay, I mean, it's yeah. already been aired, so you haven't started. All I right, have not. All right, you see our old pal Golden Tate got suspended four games. It's official. They ruled on it. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yes, I have. Well, I know that he it lost was a fertility. His yeah. It was a fertility problem. He was trying to get pregnant. He was trying to get pregnant. He didn't want his wife to get pregnant. He wanted to get <laughs> That's pregnant. That's right. He was barren. They used to do poppy seeds. Used to be the excuse. Didn't Richard Sherman pu- try that? Maybe or no. Maybe it was, was before something. Richard. But uh, some some guys, you know, poppy seeds yeah. can test positive, and now it's fertility. It's fertility drugs. Right? I just I love what people will go through to get out of trouble. <laughs> You'll announce to the whole world you're having a little trouble downstairs with your fertility just to get out of By it. By the way, does that see? I'm not a doctor. Does does that mean that you're having trouble downstairs? Well, yeah, that, that's a fertility. Or means, maybe right? your 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 partner needs you to take some sort of medication. <laughs> what? How would that work? I don't know. You transmit the medication to her? I don't know. Yeah, maybe don't... it amplifies the stuff coming. I don't know. Yeah, neither of us know. I, just, I don't know. I love that he has no trouble just explaining to the world just to Any, get out of it. Anything 
God, to say funny. I didn't take performance in it. Do you believe him? Do you believe that he tested positive? And by the way, if you do believe him, does that change anything? That he tested po- He says, I didn't take anything to enhance any performance except a different kind of performance. Uh, this was this was a this was an in, an ingredient or a part of this fertility drug that I've been taking so that we can get pregnant so that she can get pregnant and this is why do you, first of all do you believe that to be true I just I can't believe that if you're in the NFL that you don't have a list of what you can and can't take posted in your refrigerator right why would you risk it so I, because I, you want to have a kid I don't. Is that really on there? That fertility drug really is. I, I don't know. I, I I don't believe him, and I feel badly saying it. Because you think he was just trying to get it. I think there was probably. And he's something using else. that as an excuse. Yeah, I do. I do. But I, hopefully, I'm wrong. I, maybe he's. And if you were wrong, would you feel differently about him? I think it would still be stupid to not check that out first. What's more stupid, that or top pot? Oh, I think this. I mean, this is game checks. This is the dumbest thing he could have ever done, right? Four game checks. It's a lot of money. The top pot, he was young. I, I I let him go for that one. This is insane. This is crazy. And letting his team down. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. We have to name the show. And All before right. we name the show, one more one more plug for September the 3rd, first ever Fantasy Football League. I'd love everybody to be there. We do have seats available. There were some cancellations. You can sign up to be a part of all the action at Daniel's Broiler in Bellevue by going to MitchUnfilter.com. We have to name the show. Now, I, I believe from an earlier text that you just think that Don Drysdale is the, is the runaway winner. That's who I would pick. Yes. Okay, I, I'm just going to read you Don Drysdale stats. Okay. And then I'm going to read you Artis Gilmore stats. So you don't, do you remember, do you have any? The basketball player, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was 7'2". He played in the ABA and the NBA. Went yeah. to Jacksonville in Florida, uh, Jacksonville State or University of Jacksonville. Okay. And he became a very good big man and a Hall of Famer. Okay. So if I, if I took a pitcher and I said, here's a pitcher that went to nine All-Star games, won 209 Victories, not 300, 209 okay. victories. Had a 2.95 ERA, very good. Struck out 2,400, not 3,000, which is the magic number. Had one Cy Young, and he won three world championships on the Dodgers. Okay? One Cy Young, nine All-Stars, 209 wins, 2.95 ERA, 2,400 strikeouts. Maybe that's why he's jumping out to me, because he was on some good teams. Maybe well, he was helps. on great teams, yeah. and he was part, and he was he was a terrific pitcher. He and Koufax were the best duo maybe of all time. Okay? But if I said to you, those are the stats of a pitcher, and I gave you the stats of a basketball player and said to you, Artis Gilmore, five times an ABA All-Star, six times an NBA All-Star. So 11 different times an All-Star. Scored 25,000 points in his career and is in the Basketball Hall of Fame. 25,000 points, 11 All-Stars, or 209 wins, one Cy Young, 2,400 strikeouts. I, I would contend <laughs> that's tough that that's not, that's not an easy choice. Yeah. Even though Don Drysdale, to, to his name would, 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 would dwarf, even though, right. even though Artis Gilmore is a, a giant of a human being, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think Don Drysdale's name, you know, he's considered one of the legendary right. pitchers. But those numbers are pretty close, they aren't they? to themselves, yeah. I think Don Drysdale's won enough being on those good teams. I think it's time to let... Was it Artis Gilmore? Artis Gilmore. <laughs> I'm making a case for a guy. I think it's time to let Artis Gilmore get one of the biggest accolades he'll ever get in his... I mean, forget 11-time All-Star. To be named... 
an episode, that's that's pretty big. Drysdale's got enough hardware. I'd like you to name it Episode Artist Gilmore. Which is in the books. Yes, it is.